Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and thank you for tuning in to our Thursday night programming of Totally Driven Radio. <laughs> but why wouldn't you tune into the greatest show heard all around the world? means it's totally driven Thursday. It means you are either sitting by your computer, you're either uh, got your headset on, your little earbuds in, uh, either, you know, doing work on the computer, walking around, you're at the gym, you're on the treadmill, you're doing workout stuff for me where I should be, but you're listening to us. And that's the bottom line because you're totally driven just like us. And I can't be totally driven myself. Uh, we're going to make the world a totally driven place, and we're starting it right here every Thursday. And actually, I got two guys with me that are pretty freaking totally driven themselves. And one of them might be a little sad; he might be a little devastated. I know we were at DefCon One the other night, so we're going to have to get an update on him. But uh, we're going to be uh, joined by, as always, my two best friends, Mr. Nick Wilkinson and Mr. Jimmy Ginetti. What's going on, guys? What's up, buddy? So, yeah, how are you? Oh, man, you know, it's been a real trying week, but I think I'm, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> uh, America's Rose is safe and secure within our borders, and um, Phoenix Comic Con was saved today as well, so we're good. Now, that's crazy shit. I, I don't know if Janetti heard this, and I wouldn't have heard it unless you told me, but uh, tell everybody what happened at Phoenix Comic Con today. Okay, so it just broke like a couple hours ago that they, there was a guy dressed in all black that was acting suspicious, so somebody called the cops. When the cops confronted him, he started to resist, so they grabbed him, got him down. He had three handguns, uh, a shotgun, multiple knives and extra ammunition on him. And, uh, I mean, he was there to kill people. That, that's insanity. Like, like was he a, a nut job, or was he a terrorist-type guy? Any any word on that yet? Or There's no word on it yet, but um, 
they did say he walked in basically without even being checked. Like, and I told you that a couple years ago when I went, I like walked up, grabbed a bat, and left. Nobody even said anything to me. So starting tomorrow, they're saying to expect some pretty long delays in the lines because there's going to be weapons checked now. You know, that's really, I mean, after, like, what happened, um, let's say, four days prior, you would think maybe let's, like, tighten security a little bit. I mean, that's just, you know what I mean? That's, I don't, it's just ignorant, just ignorant and stupid. Now, let me ask you a question. How, How does this affect you, like, are you extra worried now, extra conscious when it comes to your live events and having the right kind of security and making sure they're doing a good job, or do you just kind of leave it up to them? Did you know what? It's scary. I mean, it, it's like that's what I was thinking of, actually, like when this shit's going down, because you don't freaking know. You don't know where this shit's going to happen, where it's going to strike, who it's going to be, and... um. You know, when we're doing these shows, I mean, the security, it's really not up to us, it's to, to the clubs. Right. You know, like when we were at uh, Whiskey Tango, um, you know, two weeks back, I mean, they had a doorman. And that was really about it. Yeah, see, that's kind of scary because... You're leaving it up to them and hoping that they're well-trained and hoping that they know what to look for. And, yeah, I can understand it's a pretty rough situation. And I guarantee uh, probably at least 50 60% of your bouncers and clubs are not, it might even be a higher number, are not trained for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Most of them are probably just guys that kind of look big. Well, Janetti was a bouncer uh, for years at a club down in, in Roanoke. I, I mean, were you ever, did they ever, like, take time to train you guys on something like that? On on the gun? No. It, it wasn't, um, the only night that we did... 90s too so it wasn't you know what I mean if this wasn't it wasn't like now yeah now we're close um but on Sunday nights when we had DJ nights because there was a a, a very high level, I'll say in the area you know one right. of these thugs and we had we had a wand that we used to wand people with but yeah, in a, you know, an event. I wasn't armed because I didn't have the. Uh, you know, I have a license. I had the license there to to carry. And I didn't just because you know, you never know what happens in a club. Somebody grab it on me. Yeah. Know? Right. I'm working on one guy, and somebody grabs. The, you know, so yeah, it's it's just better off not. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know in that instance. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, worked very... as a bouncer at a club in Bucks County, and, and it was the same way. I mean, it wasn't really anybody was trained. It was just like a group of guys that hung out. Right. right. <laughs> and, yeah, all we were stopping was fights. And, I mean, it, most of the time 
on rock and roll nights, the only thing that we really had to do was maybe throw people out that got a little too drunk. I right, very, right. I very rarely in any rock and roll band uh, show in that club had to stop a fight. Our biggest problem was bachelorette parties. <laughs> Not exactly dangerous, you know what I mean? No, not at all. Not at all. Wow. But it's crazy so, now. Now, now here, I'll tell, real quick, I'll just say that the uh, the last Florida Comic-Con that I went to, the main Comic-Con last July, they did uh, an intense check for weapons. And they weren't allowing any guns that were... So, you know, yeah. the phasers all this other stuff that they allowed in, but like regular guns. So if you were Punisher, you were screwed. Right, um, right. So, but now the last Comic-Con I went to around here for Fort Lauderdale was that uh, RetroCon. Right. I, you know, got a ticket and I walked in. Uh, yeah. And that was it. So it, it's some do check and some of them do not. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened at Phoenix Comic Con when I went. It was, I literally walked in and uh, went to the desk where it said press passes. I looked for my name, took it, and left. Nobody questioned me. Nobody checked my ID. It was just, and that's it. The rest of the night, I was on my own. Wow. Yeah, it's, you know what's scary, too? I mean, like, and I hate to I hate to say it I really do but I mean God forbid it's only it truly is only a matter of time before some nut job does succeed in an event like that here you know in like a sporting event or you know a convention type event I, I mean it, it, it's shame it really is this world just yeah tell me out these are the easiest targets now because nobody is checking. And there's a lot right. of people. But you can cause a lot of damage. Uh huh. That's why that idiot did it over at the at the Grande concert. Man, there was no security. Probably the biggest amount of security was for her. Yeah. Well, yeah. securing the people. Yeah, out totally. First. You know, nobody's securing the people out in this and in the stands or in the uh, in the hallways, whatever the case was. That's what I'm saying. They're going to go for easier targets now because this people are hyped up, so they're watching the trains, they're watching the uh, the airports, they're watching everywhere else. Well, and the thing is, I mean, you so don't need gather. to go to the Super Bowl to injure or kill the number of people that are being killed. You know, 20 dead, 50 injured. That's not. I mean, any football game you could get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any Metallica concert you could get that. Right. Absolutely. But how many people are coming through these, these Comic-Cons up in Philadelphia even? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and, and the, the big one is uh, next week in Philly, the big Comic-Con. Right. I'm sure with hearing about this, they will be severe checks now. Yeah, they better be. They better be. So, all right, well, uh, we got Kristen on the line. Let's get her on here. I'm sure she knows what we're talking about. And here she is, the one and only. She's probably still giddy over the season finale of Dancing with the Stars. 
Christina. <laughs> I don't know. I'm giddy because it's over. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I, I love dance, don't get me wrong, but it is a very high-maintenance show, and the fans, God bless them, are also very high-maintenance. So, um, Really? I, I, appreci- I appreciate their passion. I really do. But there's times that I'm like, I need to sleep. I can't answer every question They're all day long. <laughs> now, I'm trying to find my, my envelope here. Um, How'd you do? You know what? I'm looking, <laughs> I haven't opened the envelope yet. Where is it? Oh, this is good. This is like a live envelope. This is awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wait. I got it. Here we go. All right. Have it in this little safety drawer hidden. Okay. In a safety right. drawer in case someone would steal it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, because it's hard to find a, an envelope. So, uh, all right. Do you do you want to tell yours first on how you did, and then we'll tell ours? Or yes. So I got the order completely wrong, but I had two out of three of the correct finalist. So um, my number one was, or I'll go for number three. My number three, I had um, Rashad Jennings, who was paired up with Emma Slater. They won. Um, in second place, I had Normani Corday, who was paired with Val Schmierkowski. They came in third. Um, and then I had Simone Biles, the gymnast, at number one, and she came in fourth. So I did... Okay, not great, not horrible, but okay. And what was the the you had that other category? The hey now, the hey now category. The person (laughs) that really surprised you're like, oh my gosh, they can, you know, they may not be the best dancer, but they last so long into the competition. You're like, it's because people just love them. That winner, I thought was going to be Mr. T. That person really was David Ross, who wound up coming in second place. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, you know, I I, I was going to go with the Mr. T on that as well, but I was just thinking, like, he was going to be too much of a stiff, <laughs> and I just didn't think it was going to last long. Um, I'll, I'll give you my, my hey now was Charo. And oh, wow. She, she went early. And she, yeah, because didn't she? What happened with her? She had like a meltdown or something. Yeah, she had some. I mean, you know, I I don't mind the craziness of Charo, like having fun and, and like you know, coochie coochie and all that. I, I have no problem with that. I did have a problem with her, like starting to come at the judges, it's like not even just talking back to them, but she wouldn't stop talking to the point that Tom Bergeron couldn't talk. And she did this couple weeks in a row, and you're like, this isn't funny. You know what I mean? Because then it just looks insane, is all it looks. <laughs> and she came off looking insane and she got voted off that next week wasn't it yes she sure did that was the end of her no one else liked her antics either I was like bye wow. <laughs> yep. uh, okay so here was my top three and I only had one in the top three it sounds like um, and I didn't have it in the right spot so coming in at number three I had a uh, Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, and you know what? She was great. She wound up coming in. Um, my goodness, she wound up coming in six, which is just like ridiculous. Um, I wish she had come in much higher because I thought she was fantastic. So was yeah, I just pick. 
I, yeah, I thought she was going to be like, you know, like the American's sweetheart where, you know, they had that sympathy for her from before. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, she she was really, you know, it's funny about um, Miss Harrigan is that she was kind of an ice princess when she was an Olympic skater and didn't have um, a very bubbly reputation or a very friendly reputation. And, you know, I just think it was, with all the insanity that went around her, I think it was just easier for her to shut down. But um, on Dancing with the Stars, she was pleasant, she was fun, she enjoyed the experience. So it was something that I um, loved watching. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it would have been even funny if they had, what's her name on there? Tanya Harding. <laughs> you know, yeah, that she'd never, Nancy would never agree to do the show if Tanya Harding was on it. But if the timing is very curious because... We're coming upon the 2018 Olympics, and there is a movie being made about the whole Nancy Tanya story, like a legitimate movie, not like a Lifetime movie, with Margot Robbie playing um, Tanya Harding called I, Tanya. And my guess is that her husband, who is also Nancy's manager, um, suggested, like, this is the time to do it. Get your story out ahead of the Olympics, because then you can write it. You can write whatever story you want, because no one's going to sit there and listen to Tanya Harding. <laughs> oh. Okay, so uh, coming in at number two, I had uh, which actually he won uh, Rashad Jennings. Yeah, good one, good pick. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what, like um, from the clips I saw uh, on the news of him winning, he truly like looked so shocked and happy uh, that he won. I love about Rashad Jennings is the fact that he put in more rehearsal hours. In fact, over a hundred rehearsal hours extra than any other contestant. Wow. Now I wonder why, like, I wonder what, like why he had that such dedication to it. And the other ones didn't. Sorry. That is me. Um, I think that he just really had the drive. Athletes are really, really good contestants in general. And um, he was someone, remember, he's a free agent, so I think he was just like, I'm going to put in the extra time um, doing two-a-day practices, and I'm going to put in the extra time on the dance floor because maybe it'll help me. And it certainly didn't hurt him. I mean, he's not signed to a team by any means, but he is going out in the Dancing with the Stars tour. And, you know, free agents can get picked up at any point during the season, so maybe he'll just, like, go out and tour, become more popular. And, like, a team that is desperate for some publicity might just pick him up. Oh, absolutely. I, I, 10 to 1, he'll probably be signed by the weekend. <laughs> you, you never know. I know. I mean, he is committed through the summer for the dance tour, but he could still join, you know, practices in, you know, mid to late August, for, and you know, and join a team. And, you know, he's probably not going to be on a Super Bowl winning team, you know, cause, just because he's a little bit older and things like that. But, um, you know, if you're, hey, L.A., we need some, these teams that we have in L.A., they need some publicity. Nobody even yeah. cares about our football team. Yeah. Rashad Jennings. That's a great The story. Rams are now uh, the Raiders moving over to Vegas. So, yeah, or the Chargers going down there. They're not, they're not too loved by their fans anymore, so they need some love. No. <laughs> in L.A., like, it's just funny. We complained for so long about not having an NFL team, and then we get all these teams, and, like, nobody even blinks because Cares. we're like, yeah. we've got too much else going on. We've got, you know, entertainment. We've got other sports teams that have done well, and we're busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and coming in at number one, I had, uh, and I don't even know where she finished, uh, Heather Morris. Heather Morris wound up in, like, 
seventh, which is kind of like shocking, or like eighth, eighth even. Forget it. She came in eighth, which is ridiculous. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and but let me tell you, like she was the best dancer in that competition, a hundred percent. There's no arguing that. Um, but because the press made such a fuss about her professional dance career and dancing with Beyonce and everything else fans weren't going to keep her around because no one wants to see that person that's just going to run away with the competition. Right. She came back this week um, and did a dance with all of the female pro dancers. And you'd never know that she was a contestant. You would think, Oh, she's a professional dancer that's been on the show for years. She looked great. Huh. I wonder if that will spin off into a, a job for her as a, uh, as a regular yeah, you know, she's been, she was on Glee, obviously, as a dancer for years and as a main character, but she left the show because she had her son, and then she had another son a little later on, so she's been primarily spending time at home with the kids, but this may just sort of kickstart her career, or the second part of her career. Um, I think that maybe Dancing with the Stars would offer a job. I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't if they, like, in season 25 were like, and your next pro is Heather Morris. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? It's a good story. That'd be cool. Another yeah. good story, you know. So, all right, so that was mine. So, uh, okay, Nick, you're up, buddy. All right, well, I, I feel like on paper, mine should have totally worked. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's almost mind-boggling how it didn't. But, um, okay, <laughs> so, uh, hey, so, hey, now, at number three are Heather Morris. Um, I really thought that this was going to be, like, her Stacey Keebler moment. Like, I thought she was going to get all kinds of bookings after this. People were going to be like, man, she's beautiful, she's funny, she can dance. And she just kind of fizzled out in the middle there. Yeah, Heather's not a super bubbly personality. That's the one thing. You know, you look at someone like Stacey Keebler, and she's pretty vivacious. Heather's pretty chill and low-key, so if, the, if there's one thing that you really need to have in Dancing with the Stars is you need to have that personality that, that people click with, and I think sometimes she was so laid back, it was just like just too laid back, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so people were like, what is she about? I don't understand. It were Case Stacey Keebler, you're like, I totally get her right away. <laughs> All right, uh, so number two was Simone, and number one was Normani. Did I say that right? Normani, you got that right. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought Normani was going to win. Um, And the reason – I picked her. I didn't think she was going to win. I just didn't feel like Val was going to win back-to-back. Not that he's not capable of it, but I just felt like some of the fans, because there's a little bit of turf wars between, like, uh, the Shmierkovsky brothers fans and then the former, Derek Huff and Mark Ballas, fans who are no longer, uh, you know, they're no longer on the show, but the fans kind of gravitate more towards Emma and Sharna and some of the the women. I just felt like some of the fans would make sure it didn't happen, (laughs) that Val would win again. And it has nothing to do with her money, nor her dancing, nor her personality. She's spectacular. I I fell in love with her over the season. I thought she was great. But um, people block things because, remember, at the end of the day, it still is a popularity contest. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I, I was looking at mine when I first made it, and I was like, okay, this is a sure thing. I mean, you have a singer, dancer, actress, dancer, and gymnast. 
You know, like, how can you go wrong here? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you pick, uh, yeah. you, you pick too well. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, you absolutely. Pick people that are too capable, and that's the thing. Like, you always have to try and find it. And I didn't see it coming, and that was David Ross. Um, and I, I yeah. probably had I really looked at it. Think about this. He's coming off of a massive World Series win. He retires like on a high note. Um, Chicago is an amazing sports town, and he was also paired with one of the most popular pros, Lindsay Arnold, who does wonders with wonders with people who can't dance. She knows how to choreograph to their strengths. So, had right. I done some better research and some better thinking on my part, he should have at least been my hey now and maybe in third, but he wound up coming in second. And I will tell you that is how strong the fans were voting. He had a huge. Um, score like dance score deficit that he had to overcome and to make it to second place it means that those fan votes were ginormous <laughs> oh man now do you think they would ever uh change the um you know the, the way they do the the judging and take it away from the fans or do you think that would just totally kill the show um, that would totally kill the show because the, having the, the voting involvement and the fans um, arguing on Twitter about it and other social media places, that is ha- half of the show, honestly, because these fans spend all of their time arguing with each other, sharing interviews, sharing articles when the show's not running, which is Tuesday through Sunday. So there is a huge interactive component with that show that they can't take away. It almost sounds like it's like a cult-like following. It is. And, you know, it's not at its peak anymore. I would say it kind of hit a fever pitch in terms of, like, fan involvement somewhere around season 18. You know, I, I see less and less people watching the show. People are less interested once Derek Huff and once Mark Ballas left and Max has been in and out. But, um... But it does, there is kind of a Dancing with the Stars cult. And, you know, in fact, uh, I'm going to be doing my own um, dance interview show. We're going to be premiering in a couple weeks. And I was just, you know, on Twitter a little bit ago, and I was like, who do you guys want to see? And I've done interviews with most of the Dancing with the Stars pros very recently. And they're all like, they just want to see the same pros again. I'm like, but I just interviewed them asking these same questions. You want to see them, like, in three weeks again? You know what I mean? They don't think outside the box when it comes to the Dancing with the Stars fans. I, I find that people that have the more open minds are the ones that are going to be watching World of Dance and the ones that consistently watch so you think you can dance. Just different different audience. Now, speaking of Derek Huff, I think tonight is his, him and Stephen Amell or American Ninja Warrior. Yes, for Red Nose Day. Yeah. Um, he did do the course. So, and, you know, Derek, don't... Derek is not, like buff like The Rock, but he's extremely fit. Uh, he is someone that not only dances, which keeps you in great shape, but he's someone that does a lot of um, you know, running, hiking. He spends time in the gym. He fuels his body with the right things. He's not you know, eating a bunch of potato chips like I am. He's doing a really great job. I, I keep body as an instrument, and so I'm curious to see how he does. Yeah, that, that's gonna be it's gonna be a real fun show tonight, I think. Absolutely, that course is so challenging. I mean, you watch that show and you're like, "How is this possible?" And oftentimes, you see the people that do really well. It's not 
it isn't always, you know, the guy that's been the, the meathead his entire life lifting weights all the right. time. It, sometimes it's like the, the leaner, lighter, like the gymnast. Was it Casey? Oh, my gosh. Right. I can't even think of her name. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. She, she's tried the course several times and has done very well. Um, and some, some of the men even, you know, they're not necessarily like, you know, six feet tall and like super buff. They're lean, kind of like what I call like yoga Pilates bodies. Like they've got muscle tone to them, but they're able to, they're very agile. They can get themselves through the course quickly. Now they had, um, I had seen the other day, uh, clips of Stephen Amell's, uh, you know, uh, attempt at it. And it looked like he got like almost all the way through it and then they cut it. You know, you got to tune in tonight to see if he makes it through. Oh, I love that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he's super human too. Like the things that he does in his workout videos that he shares with his fans and stuff. That's not. I mean, people shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he he used to do a lot of that stuff in the early seasons of Arrow on the show. Right. Yeah. The uh, the what do they call it? The ladder, the salamander ladder, or whatever. He used to do that a lot. And yeah, but you, but you are right that the, the obstacle course itself requires more than just strength. There's there's a lot of timing and a little bit of thought that has to go into it as well. So it's a yeah, yeah nice, there's definitely strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess I um, <laughs> I, I guess like uh, the big thing, uh, like what we were talking about when you called in, was uh, the whole uh, Ariana Grande uh, bombing this past weekend. Oh, I know. I, what a – it really has put – just cast a really sad pallor over the whole week, I have to be honest. And I've had a very busy week. You know, we're leading into Memorial Day weekend, and so things are shutting down, but I had a lot of work due. And, you know, just like when you add something like that, um, such a sad, tragic event, especially involving really young people, um, it, you know, it just, it bugs you in ways that you don't even necessarily know. Like you're going through your day and you're like, why do I feel so like awful or sad or just, you know, heavy hearted. And it, it's just stuff like that because we've all gone to an Ariana Grande concert and I'm not saying you've been to Ariana Grande, but all of us have I taken have. their daughters or gone with a friend or gone as a youngster to Britney Spears or, I mean, you name the artist, Taylor Swift, just to have that fun time. Um, where you think it's okay to drop off my 15-year-old daughter. I'll drop her off for a few hours. I will come right back to the spot and pick her up. And for a lot of people, that did not happen. Yeah, you know, like, hearing about it, like, was one thing. You know, you, you have, like like you're saying, like that, um, the shock and sadness. But this morning on the news when I saw, like, they actually showed, like, each victim and, mm-hmm. you know, the quick story behind, like, there was a, a couple there just like you said, they, they were going back to pick up their daughter and friend, and the two of them were killed. Yeah, I mean, it was Horrible. Just, yeah, yeah, just a sad, sad situation. Yeah, and, you know, just, I mean, the eight-year-old, I mean, I don't know how you read any story about that, you know, that little sappy rose. She's so cute, um, and not shed a tear. I mean, People Magazine, it's the top story right now, um, about a man who was picking up his friend, 
who was uh, working as a vendor at the concert, and he heard the explosion, and he went in to, to help some people, and he wound up helping like six or seven people, but he was the last one to see Safi Rose alive. He was comforting her. She was asking for her mom. She didn't understand what was happening. And they put her in the ambulance, and she died at the hospital. Um, oh, and I'm, I'm telling it in a very matter-of-fact way because it, when you read the article, you will not be able to stop crying. It's so yeah. sad. Um, and, and the man said, and, and this is the other thing people need to think about, uh, the man said, you know, he wasn't in the actual explosion, but he saw a lot of the trauma, and he was so happy he was able to help people and do whatever he could, but he said he can't stop crying. He is going to be suffering a lot of PTSD. Uh, you know, people are like, Ariana, just get out there and start singing again. Trust me, she's suffering from trauma and PTSD. And oh, yeah. It's going to take a lot of time for people to feel safe again. Even um, her, probably Ariana Grande, Grande's musicians, dancers, everything. Because well, it's not I her imagine... fault, but you still feel responsible. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I imagine she has a certain amount of survivor's guilt here because in her mind, they were all there because of her. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, mm-hmm. There's no other reason. And even though she couldn't have done a thing to stop it, it's just, it is what it is. And it, it sucks. That's exactly it. It just sucks. And it's like, yeah. and see, the other issue too, and you don't really think about this, but her name will forever be attached to this. Yeah. You know, it's never going to go away. Someone's decision, idiotic, amazingly horrible, selfish decision to do this, an evil decision, um, has forever altered the course of Ariana Grande's life. Someone else made a decision for her. Someone else made a decision for all these people that were injured or there and witnessing or passed away. It's, I hate. I mean, I hate it when you when you look at things like that because you're like, someone else chose something for you and you had no control over it. Now I, I saw an article earlier, um, but I didn't know if it was one of them. I didn't know if it was a real article or not, but it said um, that she was going to be paying for all the uh, funeral expenses for all the victims. You know, I'd heard that on the radio here in Los Angeles and I haven't seen any like major confirmation, like major news source that has really confirmed that. Um, it's a great rumor. It's, if it's true, and I assume we'll, we'll hear, because I'm sure that Ariana's going to do something for the victims, um, just because I'm sure she feels like she wants to help out in some way. I just haven't really heard confirmation that that is true. Right. Now, I mean, we do have to, we, we, we definitely have to address the violence, and we have to come up with, you know, ways to help prevent this, but at the same time, man, I think it's important that we focus on those, you know, uh, the stories of bravery and the stories of, you know, people coming together. Like you said, the guy that was running in when people were running out to help people. Um, mm-hmm. Ariana Grande's mother as well. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's, there was acts of heroic heroism that day that uh, we can't forget. You know what I mean? Like there, there are some people that really stepped up. Absolutely. And you never know how you're going to react in a moment of panic. Um, you know, and some people, their instinct is just to run. So you can't fault people. But it, I do, I'm always amazed at people who have that heroic fortitude to run into the burning building, to run towards yeah. the gun, to, you know, run towards the blood, run towards the violence, whatever it is. Um, 
you know, and those are the people that work in emergency services all the time, day in, day out. Those are the people that serve in our military. Um, and then there's random everyday people that don't do those jobs, but just have it, whatever that is, within them to be like, I've got to help out. What can I do? You know, it's like uh, actually earlier I saw like a friend from high school put up that she uh, she witnessed like a really bad accident and she wasn't seeing people like stopping to help. And she stopped and uh, the, there was um, a younger guy, she said, and he, in his car he was out, knocked out. And then there was an older lady in the other car and she was attending to the other lady. And it was she said as she was like paying attention to this older lady – um, you know, it was really bothering her that nobody else was helping. But then as she was able to realize after she took her attention off to try to go check on the other guy, there was a bunch of people who had stopped. And she said, it, it made me feel so much better. She said, but witnessing that and doing that, she said, like, once the paramedics and all arrived and everything, she's like, it, it just goes to a whole nother level. She goes, and, and I would not be able to to do that as a, as a career or as a living. And I, I know I personally, I wouldn't be able to either. Yeah. There's a compartmentalization that you have to do all the time. And, you know, doctors and nurses have to do it um, because if you uh, live it too much, uh, you'll be a mess. And, and I know like, and, and this is on a very low level, but I know that when I went to shoot the documentary in Haiti, um, I was there and witnessing horrific things every single day. And, managing to make it through fine and everything. It was when I got home, um, probably for like the next six weeks or so that you could be like, how are you doing today? And I'd be like, I just burst into tears because of what I saw, the horrific abuse and poverty and starving children and child slavery and animal abuse, just things like that, that your brain protects you from. And, um, you know, that's why when, when people undergo any of these traumatic situations, you really have to make sure that you do get help because it will sneak up on you in very strange ways. I know um, my friend Adrian Hazlitt was one of the Boston Marathon survivors. And anytime something like this happens, like the Ariana Grande concert, um, it triggers her. It triggers sure. her back to that same day when, you know, she lost her leg. And, you know, it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of therapy. And she has a therapy dog that, his name is Fred Astaire, and he's the cutest thing ever. Um, but he, he has helped her with her PTSD, and I think that this latest one, she's, she's had her, her therapy dog like the last year, and I think we've had several incidents in the last year. He's helped her tremendously sort of like deal with those emotions, especially, you know, being, you know, it's hard to like, go on social media. It's hard to watch TV because the media just slaps up whatever they want to these days. Right. Now, uh has she like gone back to the Boston Marathon or like does she go to public events or is she still kind of uh, really shies away from that, that type of thing? She's, she's amazing. So not only has she been back to the Boston Marathon, um, she was a professional ballroom dancer. She's gone back to dancing and she now teaches dance classes nice. for other, other amputees. Um, but she oh, ran awesome. the Boston Marathon last year in 2016. It took her oh, 10 hours, but she did it. She has a running blade and everything. And, um, oh, wow. you, yeah, her story is, you know, 
I interviewed her and I like could not stop crying like while interviewing and I was like, Oh gosh, this is so emotional and so raw and so real. And, um, you know, it's, I think we all have the ability, not that it doesn't make it any less sad, but we all have the ability like, okay, there's an illness. Okay. There's a car accident, but when it's something violent, it's a different level and it's a different brain comprehension. Um, because it's so savage. It's so savage. Any violent crime is, is, is harder to deal with than like, okay, they have cancer. Okay, we're going to go through this treatment. Okay, this is what's going to happen. Or a car right. accident, you know, wow, someone was drunk driving. Like, doesn't make any loss any sadder, but the brain has different levels of comprehension is what I've realized in all of this. Craziness. Complete craziness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what uh what else is happening out in the the lovely left coast? <laughs> Let's talk about something happier because I'm like, man, it's been like, whoo! Um, this weekend there's two really big movies coming out, one being Baywatch and the other being Pirates Five. And I'm just kind of curious if you could only buy a ticket to one of the films, what would it be? <laughs> well, that's what was the second <laughs> Baywatch or Pirates Five? You know what? I think I'm going to go Baywatch. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have one for Baywatch. All right, you know, I really... One for Pirates. One for Pirates. All right, now here's the thing. I, I, would re- I really want to say Baywatch. I do because The Rock looks hilarious and, and Efron is really growing on me, but it wasn't until I saw... Kira Knightley was was in the movie that I was convinced I was going to see Pirates again. I, I, I it's it's a franchise and I've seen every one. How can mm-hmm. I not? All right, so and I would go see Baywatch just because I love The Rock, so it's a tie. Interesting. Um, I, Pirates is going to wind up winning the weekend, but Baywatch will be pretty close behind. They'll, they'll do okay, so they'll be in second place. But it's just kind of interesting that there's two really big tentpole movies coming out on Memorial Day weekend. Usually one big tentpole movie and then, you know, like one rom-com and like maybe an indie film, maybe a family film, but it's rare to see two really big films come out the same weekend. The only reason that Baywatch film is a big film is because of Rockson. You're 100% right, and it's the only reason I'm going to see it. If there was any other, if there was anybody else starring in that movie, like Zac Efron was the star of that, that it wouldn't be considered anything but a shitty remake. You're totally right. You're totally right. And that's that's it. I'm like, I like The Rock so much that I'm even going. I missed the screening of it. I'm going to pay for it this weekend. Which for me. I, I rarely, I mean, I probably buy two movie tickets a year, honestly. I am willingly slapping down, like, 15 bucks to see this movie. Jimmy's basically saying without The Rock, it would be that dirty dancing TV disaster. Oh, my God. How bad was that? How bad was that? I didn't watch Baywatch when it was on television. <laughs> you, you know... One of the the girl, I'm looking at the cast now. I'm going to take a guess and say, Ilfanish Hadera. Is that how I say her name? 
I have no idea. Oh, from Baywatch? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I, sure I, I pronounce her name, but yeah, that's close <laughs> enough. She um she just bought a, a brand new Lexus at the Lexus dealership I do work for uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> All the guys were telling me nice. how gorgeous she was. Yeah. She's beautiful. She's really pretty. Everyone's like, every guy's going to be in that dealership. Maybe she'll come in for servicing. Oh, yeah, yeah right? Oh, <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Too funny. I, I, yeah, I can't believe. I, was, I, I just can't. I truly can't believe they're doing Baywatch. I really can't. But yeah, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I can. I can. They remake everything. I'm like, they're remaking everything. I'm like, they can't think of an original idea. It's, it's amazing to me that they can find original ideas for television, but they can't find an original idea for a movie. Well, that's not true, too, either, because they've been rebooting some movies in the TV shows. Like, uh, uh, come on, Nick, with the, the old Mel Gibson movies. Dude, I mean, I could, you could go on forever. You could go Lethal Weapon, Training Day, yes. Taken. Uh, you know what I mean? There's so many of them right now. But the, but you're, if you're moving it Fargo. to TV, it becomes – Yeah, but if you're moving it to TV, it becomes a different story because you might get four seasons out of this, and you're taking the story in a different direction. You know what I mean? It's right. not a limited – three-hour production. Um, you're able to develop characters. You're able to develop storylines. You're able to go totally different away from what that original movie was. But, I mean, if you look at what's happening in television right now, and I'm doing a ton of television watching right now because I have all my DVD screeners for the Emmys arriving daily. Um, I don't see that same thing happening in film. Yes, there are some original stories, but it's a constant, like, it's it's a franchise. It's you know Pirates Five. Well, I basically saw the movie the time around when I saw the first movie. Do you know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's you know here's Baywatch or like because we'll do another Baywatch in five years. You know that with like younger actors. Let's do Spider Man sixteen times. Let's have another Avengers movie. And you know, for me, I'm someone that's outside of the superhero genre. Like I'll go see certain targeted ones because I like the actors. But I don't need to see every single one. And sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, there's another Captain America. There's another Iron Man. There's another Avengers. Wait, there's Batman again? Wait, huh? How many ways can you tell the story? <laughs> now, how about uh, you brought up the Dirty Dancing. Did you watch it last night? or? I did not watch it last night. I watched it a month ago. And oh. um, I interviewed the choreographer, Andy Blankenbuehler, who you may not be familiar with his name, but you're sure familiar with his work. He's currently represented on Broadway um, with his choreography in Cats, his choreography in Hamilton, and his choreography and direction in Bandstand. So he's got three Broadway shows running right now. No slouch whatsoever. But it was really hard to, like, watch the movie and interview someone who is really at the top of his game in the theater right now. This is his first film. Um, and the dancing was great. I mean, but Abigail Breslin couldn't dance, and that's not his fault. The story sucks. That's not his fault. Um, baby, nope. you know, Abigail Breslin as baby was completely miscast, also not his fault. But, you know, and, and a friend of mine actually edited the film, and he was saying a year ago, this movie stinks. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm editor. not saying... 
Now, I'm not saying it's specifically his fault, but I have a question. How come there was no actual dirty dancing in the movie? <laughs> like, compared to the TV. first one, it was very sort of tame and, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think they were really going for a family audience, and probably Network kind of guided that. That sucks. It just didn't work at all. It didn't work at all. And, yeah, they expanded some of the storylines, like Penny, um, which was played by Nicole Scherzinger, had a bigger role. But then the parents had this weird, like, almost divorced storyline. Sorry to spoil it, people. Um, I did like Sarah Hyland. I thought she was one of the bright lights in the, the movie, but I think she's great in whatever she does. Yeah, I was excited, actually, when I heard that that was the part she was playing, and I was like, this is great. I'm going to see her with a ukulele. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and she was, she, she was great, and I, I, I liked that they expanded her storyline where she had a flirtation with someone that worked at the resort, but she was also black. So, you know, remember during that time, interracial dating was, like, not quite as an accepted thing as today, and I thought that that was, that was a – relevant storyline um but and i thought she did great she could sing and she's adorable and i love her but the rest of it i was like "Woo, this is a rough one <laughs> and, and that's the thing too you know i remember i have to interview someone and be respectful of the work that they did because i know he worked really hard and he was proud of his work so you have to try and find questions in those moments to honor who he is, but at the same time, you're just like in the back of your head, you're like, this is a crap fest. Yeah, I, I, I think it was just doomed from the get-go. I, I you know, I, I think it was just one of the movies that they shouldn't have done. They shouldn't have touched. Didn't need to be redone. Um, it was also done almost two years ago, so they've been working on it for a very long time, and I know that they, they struggled with some of uh, the film and how to put it together. They did some reshoots. In fact, if you saw that ending with um, Baby and she's married and she goes to watch Dirty Dancing, and um, you can also see that she had had some weight loss from the film. So you even see the difference in kind of all of that. Uh, you know, what, when do you just step up and say, like, don't touch it. Like like you said, like this is a movie that didn't need to be touched, didn't need to be redone. It was, you know, it, it's a classic. Just leave it alone. No, whoever brought this up should have been fired. Like, it already <laughs> exactly. had a failed sequel. You know what I mean? But Havana Nights exists. It already failed another time. I don't even, you know, of all the things out there that they could have brought some music into, I, I can't believe Dirty Dancing was their go-to. Yeah, because there's, there's so many other things that you can do. And I think people need to realize, like, Patrick Swayze is iconic. He is iconic. Right. He was not, yeah. you know, he's, he's, not, he's not the, you know, five-time Oscar-winning actor, but he played iconic roles. You look at Ghost, mm-hmm. you look at Roadhouse, you look at um, Dirty Dancing. I even look at The Outsiders. Outsiders. If anyone yeah. ever touches Francis Ford Coppola's The Outsiders and tries to remake it, I will go and cut them because – you know, we don't get to see that movie a lot. It's not, like, streaming everywhere. But you have classic performances of, like, those actors of that, that era. Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, Matt Dillon, um, Patrick Sweezy. You know, oh, Steve Thomas Howell. You, you that, know. to me, is a great film. 
Absolutely. You know it's only a matter of time. I will seriously. I'm I'm really going to storm the studio. So you're going to see here that I was arrested. <laughs> I'm going to cut them with a plastic fork. A fork. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. Uh, so, all right. Well, um, are you resting yet, or what's uh, what's on your plate for this week? I have one more day of work, and then I will be um, in for the weekend. Uh, which is fantastic because I was just in Georgia last weekend. My niece was graduating, so it was a big, crazy whirlwind of a week. And I just had, I had a lot on my plate when I came back. And I was like, oh gosh, everyone's trying to cram everything in this long weekend. So I'm, I'm looking forward to like floating in the pool, having a good cocktail and a nap. Nice. Yeah, good for that's you. what's gonna happen. Yep. Good for you. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess uh, we'll be catching up next week, and uh, hopefully there'll be uh, a lot more positive news, no, no more of this uh, horrible stuff that happened this past week. No. And, uh, yeah, we, we can uh, smile and enjoy happiness. Yeah, we'll have World of Dance. That premieres Tuesday night, you guys, at 10 p.m., so we'll see how good it is. It's supposed to be good. Ooh, 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 ooh. Little yeah. J-Lo, little J-Lo. Let me tell you about J Lo. Her uh, her shades of blue. Wow, 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 wow! The way that show ended the other night, I was like on my couch screaming at my TV. I know you're a fan, so I'm thinking you're going to be an even bigger fan of World of Dance. Yeah, but she's not dancing. She's not dancing. She's judging. You know, she's going to look good. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I just saw. I think it was today or yesterday. She put up a clip of her dancing, I guess, uh, in concert recently. And uh, Mm -hmm. she's like, I'm still Jenny from the block. And she was moving. She was, she was shaking her thing, man. I was like, wow. Like the older she gets, the better she's getting. She gets younger. She just ages backwards because uh, my friend is one of her dancers um, in her Vegas show. And she does full ass dancing. She's not, you know, doing step touch and then singing a little bit. She's, She's doing the hard stuff, so um, I love that. You know, she looks good. She's not cutting corners or anything else like that. You're getting a really good show if you ever go to Vegas and watch. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. All right, well, hopefully we can talk uh, some more J-Lo next week. (laughs) Sounds good. I'll talk to you guys next Thursday. Have a good long weekend. You too. You too. Thank you. All right, there she goes, Kristen Burt. Check her out. All over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, K-R-I-S-T-Y-N. That's B-U-R-T-T. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, that uh, the, the Shades of Blue, it's just funny, like, uh, now, you don't watch it, Nick, right? I know you don't watch it. I've been begging you to watch it. But the, the last, uh, like, few minutes... Like she gets in the last ten minutes of the, the the episode, she gets kidnapped by this guy who's been like stalking her and stuff, and he takes her to this house wherever the hell they are in the, the woods somewhere. Now, when he kidnapped her, you know she was wearing like uh, street clothes, a shirt and a uh, pair of jeans or whatever she was wearing. Right. When she wakes up after, <laughs> from being knocked out, she's in a a, a bra. Uh, stockings with the with, with the garters and all she's all done up. I'm like 
<laughs> she's got high heel pumps on. I'm like, look at this. Like, come on. It was like the, the gratuitous J-Lo uh, show off. You know what I mean? It's funny. That's that's creepy as shit, though, that he dressed her while she was sleeping. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally, totally. But it's funny. But it's funny. Like throughout the season, like they didn't. I don't remember, or maybe I didn't pick up on it last season. But this season, I picked up on it a lot because I think it was it was like just very obvious. Like they did a lot of scenes of her where she was wearing tight jeans, and they were just showing constant ass shots of her. It was just, it was like very blatant. It was just like, come on, really? Like, you don't need to do this to make people tune in. It's a good freaking show. Oh, that's too funny. Uh, and Nick, Nick sends me a message. I'd remake A League of Their Own as a musical. I don't know about that. I, I don't think it's as iconic as some of these other things, and... I think that Madonna will talk shit and that'll get a lot of publicity and then Rosie O'Donnell will talk shit and that'll get even more publicity and um, we're in an era right now where anything that's like strong and female is like female positive you know what I mean? And that's yeah. a very female positive movie like I'll tell you what, I love that movie I, I, I've probably seen that movie 50 times easy Absolutely and, and I'm not a Madonna fan, but I I absolutely love her in that movie. Do you do you cry at the, at the end when uh, that song? What's that song? You see my playground. Every time that comes on at the end of that movie, I cry. Now, okay, I, I, as I get older, different movies are affecting me differently, and I haven't seen it in a long time. So when when I the last time I saw it, it didn't. Uh, you know. Um, but that was in a, like, pre-Armageddon world, you know? <laughs> like, the movie Armageddon, like, seeped into my soul and made me less of a man. <laughs> like, Oh, I cried at the end, it, end of that one, too. It opened the floodgates, man, when when uh, he tells him that he always thought he was a, as a son. Uh, you know what I mean? Come on, I'm ready to cry now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's deep. It's, it's, it's deep, but but the uh, but the the league of their own, it, it just the meaning, right? That that line, it, it used to be our my, what's, this, what's the name of the song? It used to be my playground. Oh, yeah, it used yeah, to be our place. Used to be my playground. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, wrap your head around that line alone, tied in with the movie, and it's so deep. It is, and especially at the end where they're showing the pictures of, of the actual people and yes. stuff like that. That's very yes. cool. Totally, totally. Even Stillwell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But, yeah, dude, I, I don't know what it is. Like, the older you get, I guess, the more emotional you get when you're watching movies. Like, hey. we, we, were watching, we were watching Logan last night and I was like I can't believe how sad this is making me <laughs> like <laughs> oh yeah dude come on I need you... <laughs> oh, there's I, anymore I feel like I cry at almost every movie I, I, I think I cried dude, during I Good like... Burger <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you I told Kate I was like yo if she calls him daddy one more time I'm gonna cry <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
man, oh, man. So, all right, well, uh, it's almost time for our guest. And actually, I think he just called in. Let me, uh, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll get him, we'll get our guest ready. Which I, let me uh, intro our guest uh, real quick before we uh, take a break. All I got to say, I, two, two things, and, and this guy just deserves your uh, like. When he comes on, we're going to stand at attention. U.S. veteran, and he's from Upper Darby. So you stand at attention and salute this guy. His name is Bill Bowers. We'll be coming back on the flip side, and we're going to be hearing about his book he just wrote called Nighthawk. So stay tuned. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence, or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your ghoul friend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our stores voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our wacky stores page on Facebook. 
this is, hey, this is Joey Kramer from Aerosmith, and I'm sitting here saying whatever the hell I please. And you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. All right, welcome back to the Driven Radio. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you, you caught this earlier, guys, when, uh, when I was uh, saying we were going to have um, Batman the cosplayer, uh, Dark Knight of PA cosplay, uh, one later in the show. I was saying that now yeah. nobody had seen him uh, without his mask except Alfred. If you technically think about it, the pirate from Ontario Street could be his Alfred. <laughs> I don't know how the pirate would feel about that, but you know, we'll have to mention that to uh, to Batman later on. But before we get to Batman, we got We got to stand up. You know, I I can't salute because uh, you know I'm not. It's going to be a very bad salute. But this guy deserves a salute. He's a former U.S. Uh, Air Force veteran. He's an Upper Darby native like myself. Let's welcome to the show. Now he can put the title of author under his name as well. And let's welcome Mr. Bill Bowers. What's going on there, Bill? No, not too much, Bay. How are you doing? Thanks for having me Good. on. Good. Absolutely, man. So, uh, you, you know, uh, you're Upper Darby alumni, Upper Darby High School alumni. I am. Class of 1984. <laughs> so, now, that was my first year there. It was 84. So you were leaving when I was coming in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it was good, though. Um, when, you know, I was, I was actually the, in the last, the last class at Drexel Hills Junior High School before they changed it to a middle school. Oh, so it was okay. kind of fun. Okay. We, were, we, were, we, were never, we were never the young kids in the high school, so we brought up the ninth graders with us so we could beat them up along with the tenth graders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It's the good old days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I remember back in Upper Army, they had a wall of fame. Like, are, are, have they put your picture up there now on the wall of fame? I mean, you're, you're an author, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I know. Not, not as of yet. I mean, I know, you know, Tina's up there and Todd Rundgren and everybody, so it's it's only a matter of time before it's, you it's know, only a matter of time. They, it's only they a need to take my picture and put me up there. <laughs> now, you, you were in the Air Force, and, and like, were you planning to go into the service like for a while, like going through high school? Like, was that your plan all along? It, it, it really wasn't. It was only because I, I was going through, um, I was going to both tech for carpentry because I, you know, I like to work with my hands and everything. So I wanted to learn carpentry and I figured, you know, I would get a job in construction and everything. And then, you know, as I started getting into 11th grade and my, the beginning of my senior year, I, I just wasn't sure if that was the direction I wanted to go. So I was, I was in both, I was actually in both tech one day and the, Votech teacher was asking. He was asking all the kids, "All right, who signed up for the ASVAB test?" And I, it was the first I had ever heard of it. So I said, "What's the ASVAB test?" He said, "It's a it's a military entrance exam." I said, "Well, how long is it?" He said, "Well, you're going to miss the whole day." I said, "Oh, I'll take the test just to get out of a day, just to get out of a day of class." So we all went to the cafeteria. I took the test, and you know, like four weeks later, recruiters from all four branches were calling my house. And I, I just ended up. I decided to um, talk. To, I talked to, you know, the army recruiter, the navy recruiter, and then I, you know, I, I felt more comfortable in in speaking with the air force recruiter. So I went down to the air force recruiting station down at 69th Street, and yeah, okay. I spent some time with 
spent some time with him and, you know, decided this is, this is what I want to do. Wow. So I, I enlisted in the delayed enlistment program. I think it was November of my senior year and I left the following October. So you had basically a whole year of, uh, of knowing you were going to be going away. Like did, at, at that point, at any time, were you like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> no, no, I really wasn't. I was, I was, I was excited for it. You know, um, I actually, you know, I, I, I let my hair grow as long as possible so that, you know, when they cut it all off, there'd be a big mess on the floor. I don't know. <laughs> See, that was one of the big reasons why I would never do the military because I didn't want to cut my hair. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's funny because it's a funny story. Like two, it was about two weeks before I left. I went and you know, you know how like this. I'm going to catch a lot of crap for this too from all my friends, especially at my reunion next month. But I, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Van Halen had that long curly hair, right? My hair was really long, so I was like, you know what? I want the curly look. Mine was straight. So I went up. I went up to my neighbor who was a hairdresser. I said, "Hey, can you give me a perm?" So she said, "What?" I was like, "Yes. Yeah, so I don't like it. It's all coming off in two weeks anyway. So who cares?" So she gives me the perm, and this is this is you know this is how dumb you are when you're like a seventeen year old kid. I didn't realize the perm, the curls were going to make my hair shorter. So now my long hair it was down, you know, my shoulders just up around my ears. I'm like, all right, now I look like an idiot. But, you know, like I said, it was all coming off in two weeks, so who cares? You know what? Not to make you feel as bad about that whole situation, I did the same exact thing. <laughs> well, and it's I, the times, right? Everybody, even guys yeah. were getting perms back in the 80s. And my sister was a hairdresser, and I said to her, I, I wanted to look like Ingve Momstein. And she, uh, she permed my hair, and I remember walking down Pal Lane in Upper Darby, uh, and my friends were coming from the other end and they saw me and they were literally laying in the middle of the street, laughing their ass off at me. I was <laughs> like, Oh boy, I screwed up. I screwed up. Yeah. There. I had, I had yeah, an afro. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I got, I, I got the same stuff, especially for my brother <laughs> and sister. Cause you know, your siblings are the worst for you. So <laughs> now how about them? Like how about your you know, brother, sister, family? What were their feelings about you uh, joining the service? They, um, my, my parents didn't, weren't really keen on the idea. My brother and sister, I mean, I had one younger brother who was just starting out in middle school. So I don't think, you know, it really hit him. And, you know, I know my sister didn't, didn't really want me to leave. And my older brother, he was, you know, he was graduated. He was doing his own thing. And, you know, I, I'm not really, you know, that's a question you probably have to ask them. I'm not really sure how they how they felt. Like, I know my mom, because I was 17 when I enlisted, my mother, she was dead set against it. She wasn't even going to sign the papers because I needed my parents to sign for right. me to sign up. And, you know, I was just, I was a little punk kid. I was like, Mom, either you sign the papers now and I'm miserable for the next 10 months and I turn 18 <laughs> and I sign them and I go away. Like, you know. I'm going, so either let's get it done now or, you know, so I guess she talked to my dad. And my dad had been in the Army, so. Okay. You know, but, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was my mom's kid. She didn't want me leaving, you know. Sure. What sure. mother, what mother wants to send her kid off like that, you know. Right. 
like especially then because there was always like you know in in the, the mid eighties it was always like the big thing was uh, the big uh, it was always like the talk of nuclear war and war with Russia and all that so there was always like that like hanging over like everybody's head. Well, yeah, and you know, I mean, it wasn't it, it hadn't been too long since Vietnam had ended and the Cold War was you know was raging on and you know people were the, what was that that movie the day after had come out yeah. Right, right. right around then, so everybody's freaking out about, you know, the Russians and the nuclear war. And, Scary times. You know, so, yeah, yeah, it definitely was. So now, when, once, you, uh, once you get in there and, and you get through, uh, like, your training and all that, now, what was your, I mean, were you actually, like, trained to fly the planes and all, or? No, no, I was, I, I was, um, I enrolled when I when I enlisted. You know, I went through I went through a couple of different scenarios with with the recruiter, and you know this this is all in the books. I don't want to spoil everything, but I went through a couple choices, and he kind of you know talked me out of one of them. I did ask about being a pilot, but you know I I would I would have needed to go through at least four years of college and and all that before oh, wow. I could even before I could even apply to be a pilot. So. I told him, huh. you know, I said, I said, all right, I want to be a cop and, you know, guard the base and, you know, protect the people on the base. Okay. So that's what he signed me up for. And then, you know, I went through basic, I went through, you know, the Air Force Security Police Academy. And then while I was there, they made me go through advanced combat training and things like that. So. Wow. Now, that's where you... um. Were you planning at any time to like make this a full time career or I I, I I really was. And, you know, there are some extenuating circumstances after you know, after 'cause I did I I spent eight years in and it was it was after I got back from Desert Storm that I made the decision to just get out, bring my kids back to the Philadelphia area and you know, continue life there. Or here as the case may be. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, going through, uh, like, I, none of us can say anything. Like, if, if it's more probably one of the things where, you know, if you haven't been there, like, I'm sure your mind gets blown when you're over there, you know, in the middle of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, and, it's funny. There's there's a lot of stuff in the book where it's you know there's there's a lot of areas to make you laugh, and then then there's a lot of you know there there are on duty stories that you know where we talk about things that went on, and it's really you know when when you're on duty it's it's hard for me to explain because it, it technically was a peace, was peace time, you know yeah. even though the Cold War was going on and everything. But you're you're in you're in the Philippines. I'm halfway around the world away from my family and everybody I've known for my whole life. So, you know, the guys that I work with, we built this camaraderie because it was the largest military installation that the Air Force had overseas. And a lot of it was, you know, filled with washouts and eight foot tall elephant grants. So when you're walking through those fields and trying to protect the base, you don't know if there's a little Filipino who hates Americans. It's, sitting there with a knife or a gun. So it's very, it was very stressful, you know, while working over there. Not, you know, most of your military people are going to toe the line, but 
you have you're in a third world country and basically the base is like you know first world country where everything's so much better than it is on the other side of the fence. It's almost so, being like being at like a a resort like you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, when you uh, when you found out you were going to be going to the Philippines, were you excited by that or like? Ugh. You know, they they have this, they have this thing that the Air Force does called a dream sheet, and you fill out ten ten bases that you would like to go to that are stateside, and if you want to go overseas, they give you you know three choices, so you can put three choices. So I didn't even I didn't even want to go overseas at the time when I first joined. I I put I picked ten bases that were all like southeastern United States, Florida, you know, all up along the coast and everything. And then they sent me to the Philippines. I'm like, so I was like, wow, I guess these dreams. That's why they call them a dream sheet because if you get one of your choices, it's like a dream come true. <laughs> uh, but no, I was. I was never very good at geography in high school, so I didn't even know where the Philippines was. Really, you know, I called my mom, and my mom had to. My mom had to tell me where it was. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, now, being in this service, too, like, uh, not when you're on duty, but when you're off duty. Like, right, like right now, my cousin, who's in his early 20s, he's, a, he's in the Navy. And it seems like whenever he's not on duty or he's not out at sea, it, it, like, life is a big party. Well, I think, and I've I've said this, you know, quite a few times to people throughout the years that when you're not on duty and, you know, for the younger troops, you know, from E1 to, say, E4, it's it's almost like a college atmosphere when you're you're off duty because, you know, you do, you go out, you go out, you party and... Depending depending on the on the base and and what's available, like in the Philippines, it was a single man's paradise because you know you had everything. You had girls, you had booze, you know. That's you had pretty it much everything. That's pretty much everything. And when you're when you're 18, girls and booze, right? So sure. I mean, that's what you had. You know, when I got when I when I left the Philippines and came to South Dakota, there was you know there was there were some things to do, but not as much. Plus, I think I, I, I really believe that we got a lot. We got away with a lot more stuff in the Philippines while we were off duty because of the stress levels on duty. Wow. I think they they gave us a little more leniency, like they because our commanders knew how stressful it was. That you know maybe all right, they're just blowing off some steam because you know they're going to go to work tonight and. You know, something may happen where they're going to get injured or you know, right? God forbid, killed. Sure. And stateside, you know, the threat isn't as isn't as bad as it is overseas. Over there, yeah, exactly. Especially when yeah. you know, I mean, I was in South Dakota. I was in the middle of the country, and you know, for for any terrorist to get to the middle of the country, it's going to be, <laughs> you know, it's going to be bad news for the country. Yeah, right. They get that far. Now, it's, uh, I was actually on your website earlier, and I was going through, you have a, a picture section, and it was kind of cool going through the pictures. And the, the first thing I was thinking is, like, when you go through those pictures, like, uh, I, I guess it was maybe your 
graduation when you graduated, uh, you know, from the, the what do they call it, the academy or boot camp? Um, yeah, the boot camp graduation picture, kind of like a yeah, senior well, portrait for high school. Right. Now, when you look at that picture, like, what do you think? I mean, I, I looked at that. I'm like, wow. You truly just look. You just say, like, he's a kid. He's truly a kid there. Yeah. I mean, I, really, I, I do look at that picture. I'm like, that kid was charged with protecting a country. You know, they put an M16 in that kid's hand, and you know, God forbid, the training was was what it was. I mean, you know, God bless the fact that the training was what it was. Because the training was so intense that, you know, as an 18-year-old kid, they can trust you to protect the country. That's, uh, when you put it that way, it makes you think. How so? Scary. It's it's just, uh, it's a scary thought. It really is. I mean, you oh, look you, I mean, you look so baby-faced and young in that picture, and when you're saying, like, uh, being responsible for protecting the country, it's like, wow, okay. Right, and and don't don't get me wrong. I would have never stuck an M16 in my hand had I not gone through that training. Right. You know, that's where, you know, I mean, they the training is pretty intense, and, you know, you get – you get the knowledge that you need to survive and to help your brothers and to take care of your brothers and sisters. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I literally, usually, usually in the Air Force, you go through six weeks of boot camp and then, you know, you go through your technical training, whether you're going to be aircraft maintenance or, you know, some at some radar site or, you know, like I was, I went through the security police training. Okay. Then after that, I because I was going overseas and to the Philippines, and you know you you have to remember that at the time it was 1984. You know Vietnam was what 12 years we we were 12 years removed from the end of Vietnam, so we we had to go through jungle training down oh, wow. down in down in Campbell, Texas, because you know that's pretty much what most of the Philippines was. Wow. So, you know, you go through that that extra six weeks of training where they teach you, you know, combat maneuvers and land navigation and things like that. Yeah. That's wild. That, I, another reason why I didn't join the military. I'd never be able to make it through basic training. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I did prepare. I mean, a buddy of mine, we would, yeah, I grew up on, on Dermont Avenue, right off of Lansdowne Avenue. Okay. And um buddy of mine, we would we would we we had joined a, a gym down in Drexel Line Shopping Center. So we would we would jog to the gym from, you know, Dermont Avenue, work out and then jog back. So you know, I tried to prepare as much as I could for the physical aspect of it. Right. Because, you know, I was really I mean, I played baseball which you know, you don't really need to exercise too much for baseball, but you know, <laughs> Now, do you remain in contact with uh, any of the people that uh, you went through, like, uh, training or you were stationed with? Oh, I do. Actually, um, there's there's probably – I actually have a group called the 3rd SP, the Third Security Police Group, which was our unit in the Philippines, and we have over 1,100 members that are on that group, and we have reunions every year. 
and our oh, actual yeah. next one is is coming out next month. It'll be our seventh consecutive reunion um, in Vegas, and you know we we usually get about forty to fifty people at each reunion, but it's not always the same people because we try and move it around the country so that other people have the availability to come, and they're not. You know, the same gotcha. people aren't traveling across the country, you know. Last last right, year we were right. in Florida. This year it's in Vegas. And, you know, next year pick some other part of the country so that, you know, those that haven't been able to attend, it will hopefully be closer to them. So, But, yeah, I mean, we, 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 do, we do really well with um, keeping in contact with those guys. And, you know, unfortunately the base isn't there anymore, so. Oh, uh, wow, well, okay. But yeah, even you know the guys. There's a couple guys that, that I went through boot camp with that I'm still in touch with, and you know, obviously guys that I was in Desert Storm with. That's awesome. Yeah, how about like now? Uh, you know, the time has come over the last, uh, I guess, uh, two years, year and a half. You've been working on this book. Like, was this an idea you had going for a long time? You where you wanted to write a book and share these stories and experiences you had. Yeah, I mean, because the, the stories are, you know, the, the stories, if I were to read it not knowing me, I'd be like, these these are some crazy stories. Like, this is some crazy <laughs> crap that was going on there. Um, and, you know, I would tell stories and I would tell people, you know, what my experiences were when, when I was in the Philippines and everything. And, you know, half the time I get, get the hell out of here. That didn't happen. There's no way. I'm like, I'm telling you, man. And I, I would say, I'd say to them, I'm like, if anybody ever tells you a story about being in the Philippines and you think it's hard and you think it's not true, you better believe it's true because <laughs> the stuff that happens over there, you can't even think of, like, you know. But like, to get back to your question, yeah, it was, it was something that that I had always thought about doing, but you know, I was, I was never very good at writing I read a lot so I, I kinda got an idea from reading different books. Okay. You know, what how how they went about writing those books, you know, and, and about explaining the scenery to the person to put the reader on the page and in that neighborhood or in that situation. You know, right, explaining right. the surroundings and everything. So I was like the more the more I got I felt that I was learning about that. I started thinking like, eh, maybe it is. And, you know, my, my family members, you know, they were all like, Bill, you should write a book with this stuff that you've gone through and, and everything. And then it really took hold when we all started reconnecting on Facebook and started going to these reunions and started sharing the stories. And I thought, you know what, now's the time. I got to get it out. And I would always go to bookstores when I was looking for a book to read. And I would try and find books about, you know, the base in the Philippines. And there really weren't any. Hmm. So I couldn't, okay. you know, I couldn't I couldn't relive those times through someone else's eyes in reading the book. So I thought, you know, this is this is this is a great time to do it because now especially now that the base isn't there, there's there's a lot of people I mean it, like I said earlier, it was the largest overseas air force base. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that have, you know, the same memories that, that I do that they would like to relive or sure. they they may enjoy reliving through someone else's eyes the same, you know, the same kind of stories. So I, you know, I 
contacted Sandy Sandy Hart one day, who, you know, has been a major part of this, and I said, you know, I have confidence in you. Would you be willing to help me write this book? And she said, absolutely, 100. It didn't even take her 30 seconds to get back to me. <laughs> yeah, Sandy's the bomb. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's done a this this wouldn't this would have never happened if it wasn't for her. I mean, you know, she's been she's been a bulldog in getting getting things done and 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 keeping me keeping me working because there were just some nights that yeah you know, I I didn't take notes I didn't keep like a little journal while I was over there so this was all right. written from memory it was all written from memory and you know so I had to wait for certain memories there were times where. I couldn't write for a couple of weeks because it was almost like a writer getting writer's block. Like, sure. I had to wait for the memories to come back and be vivid enough that I could explain them. Does that make sense? I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure there were days where Sandy was like, this son of a bitch, if he doesn't start writing, <laughs> I'm just going to drop him. Because, you know, there were times when – you know, I would go for like a week and I would just be like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to work on this chapter. I'm just not getting it. And... Well, sometimes you got to take that break. You got to, you know, take that break and walk away yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. know. And I told her, and I told her from the very beginning, you know, because I know me and I, I told her, I said, you're going to need to hound me. You know, there are going to be times <laughs> when, when I'm just not going to, and, you know, she didn't hold back and God bless her for it because it's like I said, if if it wasn't for her, this wouldn't this wouldn't this wouldn't you know I wouldn't be holding this book in my hand right now. That's wild. Now, how about like uh, did you tell like uh, you know fellow uh, uh, you know uh, Air Force members that you were at station with and all? Did you like say to them like I think I'm going to write a book? Oh yeah, and and you know some of them, a, a lot of, especially a lot of the guys that that were in the Philippines with me. You know, I would I would say, hey, do you remember this? I'm I'm having a little hard, a little problem remembering what what else went on during this time. Like with Super Typhoon Dot, there were there were parts that I remember, but there there were other parts that I may have forgotten about. That you know, I'd reach out to some of the guys that are mentioned in the book that were there with me on on top of the dormitory when we almost got blown over because we thought we were stronger than a hurricane or a typhoon. I, I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> well, you know, when you're 18, and that, now that I have all this training, I think, you know, I think I'm invincible. Nothing's going to kill me. So I'm like, what? A Category Five Super Typhoon? That's nothing. Let's go up. On, <laughs> let's go grab some beers and go up on the roof of the door and ride it out. <laughs> I never oh, said we were funny. smart, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So, so like, it took what uh, eighteen months to do this? Yeah, it took about eighteen months to 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 get it all written, and then you know, probably for the last six months we've been you know finalizing and and going through the fine tooth comb, trying to make sure that all the grammar was correct and and everything, and working with the publisher to get it out and getting them all their you know legal required documents for. You know the guys that may not want 
their name mentioned with a certain story. Like one guy I couldn't find, so I had to change his name. And everybody's like, who's this guy? I'm like, I had to change his name because we can't find him and, you know, read the story. You'd, you'd be embarrassed about the story too. But, <laughs> did, did anybody say to you, like, don't put this in the book? Or or did you even say to yourself, like, I can't put this story in the book? Yeah, there there were some stories that, that I, you know, I was like, this really can't go in the book. And there's really, like, there are there are so many stories that aren't in the book because maybe, you know, they, they were funny stories or they were crazy stories that, you know, they just wouldn't be able to fill up a whole chapter. Right. So, you know, they had to be left out. So we, we tried to pick some of the best stories and, you know, the the ones that were long enough that could complete a whole chapter and, you know, be interesting for people to read about. Now, do any of these stories involve the smut hut? The smut hut. There's the smut hut is mentioned, <laughs> and I think you know. I think there were, there were games that were played at the smut hut that were explained in the book, but there there were no actual stories that like. There's no chapter <laughs> at the smut hut. I, I, I saw the picture and I just started cracking up. Like they named the place the smut hut. Well. <laughs> I don't know what I'm allowed to say on internet radio. Like, you, you can as say far anything as language you want. Okay, there's there was there was this there was this one strip that was called Blow Row, and I don't think I need to explain what happened in, the, in those bars. Sure. Well, there was there was a A Santo Street just past just past um, El Toro where was a group of bars. It was, you know, on a smaller scale, there were like three or four or maybe five or six that we called the mini row. And then some of the names of those bars, that's where the smut hut was. And it's, it's funny because the actual name is BJ smut hut, but <laughs> the guys, the guys' names were like Bill and John who owned it. And it just worked out that way. But oh, one of the, one of the other bars was called Superhead. <laughs> and another bar, another bar was called Megahead. The funny thing about Superhead was they had they had like a little, I guess it was like a three foot wall that was painted white, and in red lettering on the front of the wall, leading to the bar, were, were the words "It's nice with ice." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I gotta get this book. Actually, I have the book. I gotta read it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, oh, it's a fun funny. book. There's there's some fun stories, like I said, and there you know there there are other stories that even while off duty, where you know it, it got a little dangerous, so you had to because there there was there was while terrorism wasn't as bad as it is now, right. you know there were still there were there were two terrorist factions in the Philippines. One of them was a Muslim terrorist, which are now making big noise down in the southern island of Mindanao where the president of the Philippines has declared martial law because the Muslim terrorists down there are, you know, wreaking havoc. But there was, there was the Muslim terrorist group. And then there was this group called the new people's army, the NPA, which were a communist faction that wanted the Philippines to be a communist country. And they, they were the ones that we had to worry about the most where we were up in, up on the Island of Luzon. And they were actually the ones who killed one of our brothers a year after I left. Oh, jeez. 
he was a he was a he was a canine handler. He was on on his way to work, and you know, a sparrow unit, three guys. I think it was. I think they said it was three guys. They just, you know, they assassinated him and two other guys Oof. for no reason. Oh, that's a shame. You know, and it, and it really hit home. He was he was he was a great kid. He had just gotten married, like I think two weeks before that. And you know, he he got there in I think February of '86. I left in November of '86. So we only worked together for a couple, a few months. But I mean, we played on the softball team together. And great, yeah. great kid. You know. Wow, that's a shame. That is a shame. So. The uh, the book is it's out now. Um, yes, it is. After you know, eighteen months of working on this, and you, I'm sure probably there was times you probably figured like this is never going to come to fruition. It's never going to be finished. It's never going to happen. And now that it's physically out, you can hold it in your hand. <laughs> How shocked and surprised are you? I'm 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 really shocked that that you know I I sit there and I look at a book and it has my name on it. I'm like never never in a million years did I ever think I yes I would write a book. Yeah, so it's you know it's a great accomplishment. It was never on my bucket list, but now I can cross it off anyway. <laughs> you know. Now the question is, would would you consider doing another book? Um, I yes I would, and you know I've I've already been asked. By people who have read it, they're like, I can't wait for the next one, you know. That's awesome. And I'm like, well, I mean, if I write one about South Dakota, it's not going to have the stuff that the Philippines has in it, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure you have some stories left over that you can muster up for uh, for part two. Well, if, if um, what's her name that was on before me, you know, if she wants to talk to her friends out in California, like, there's, 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 there's a TV show in that book. Oh, okay. Interesting. I see. I, I, I got to research now. I got to look at this book. Yeah, I mean, and seriously, I mean, I, I, I think there is, you know, and apparently some other people do because some of the reviews have said, like, you know, they. I, I hesitate because, you know, I hesitate because people have said the word mash, and I'm like, there's, do not ever, like, compare this to mash. Like, mash is the greatest of all time. Right. You know. Now, now but how about if, like, somebody did, like, say somebody in Hollywood or somewhere, you know, they read this book and they're like, you know, I, I can make this into a movie. I mean, then what? I mean, you'd, you'd probably like literally be shitting yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, I joke about it, you know, to, to my friends like, oh, yeah, just wait till the movie comes out. But yeah, if I got a call and somebody said, yeah, we've we'd like, we'd read your book, we really liked it, we'd like to, you know, talk to you about making a movie, I, I, you're probably right. I probably would have to run straight to my bathroom. <laughs> now, the question is who plays Bill Bowers? I think Vinny Chase would make a good Bill Bowers. Look at that. I, see, yeah, you Vinny just want Chase? to ask somebody that question, it, it's, uh, right away it's Brad Pitt. 
It's got to be somebody who can pass, can pass for somebody really young. Like, Brad Pitt can't pass for 18 now. I'm not so uh, sure Vinny Chase could either, but... No, let me, uh, let me pull up Vinny Chase. I'm not sure who he is. Oh, he's he's a kid from Entourage. That's not his real name. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I got you. I got you. I don't know if you ever watched yeah, Entourage, you but... It's with uh, Adrian Grenier, I think his name is. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that'll work. That's a good choice. I like that. That would be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah, he's tall. He's thin, you know. You can bring him over to Upper Darby and, like, really educate him. Yeah. Yeah, show him the way. <laughs> I mean, you know, the PNR Caverns are not there anymore, but, you know, we could take him down to Casey's or something. There you go. <laughs> Now, now something, uh, something that I saw too that's really cool that you do is, um, you do. I, I guess, uh, I guess it's kind of like charity work where you go around and you you raise money for uh, veterans who uh, have fallen on hard times. Yes, we um, through through these reunions, my myself and a couple other members, we we created the third security police group or third SDG Veterans Foundation. So, you know, we we try and raise money for that so that. Any of any of our former SDG members that were at Clark, you know, if they're falling on hard times, and you know, we we get rid of all the red tape that you know a lot of the other government-sponsored programs make you go through. Right. So we just we just help them out wherever we can. It's it you know. Yeah. And we also um, actually one of the other things that we did because um, I'm sure you probably remember Mount Pinatubo back in. 1991, that's what ended up shutting down Clark Air Base, Mount okay. Pinatubo. The volcano blew and covered everything with ash. Well, in our haste to leave, the American government never thought to do anything about the veteran cemetery that was on base. Oh. So that, that was just forgotten about for 20 years. And, I mean, there's a local VFW there that tried to – you know, maintain it as best they could and clean up the, the graves as best they could. But, you know, that takes money. Even, you know, even in a country that is as poor as the Philippines, you know, right. where things are a lot cheaper, it still costs money that the local VFW, you know, was having a hard time doing. So we Absolutely. sent money over there for them so that they could, you know, pay guys to come in and, and try and repair a lot of grave sites. And, wow. And there's there's also a canine cemetery there that, you know, for whatever reason, they haven't been allowed to, you know, go and repair those grave sites yet. But through some of ours and a lot of other people's, you know, screaming and hollering, the American Battle Monuments, who had forgotten about the that cemetery for a while, has now allocated, I think, $5 million to repair and upkeep that cemetery over there. So, you know. That's, uh, you you know, now that you're, like, talking about this stuff, and it's like, (laughs) I'm sitting here now, like, on Google, and I'm just like, oh, man, now I'm going to be, like, researching all this stuff. (laughs) Wow. So, all right, so the book, where uh, yes. where can everybody get the book at? Um, 
we've been we've been directing everybody to our publisher's bookstore, which is Archway Publishing. Or I mean, they they can get it. It's it's available on you know, what is it? A Kindle or Nook? I don't know. I read regular books. But it's available. Books. <laughs> yeah. I look at a computer enough during the day. I don't need to look at one when I'm trying to just relax and read. Um, but it's it's it is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Now, how about um? like book signings and things like that. Will you be doing any of those or? Yes, we will. Sandy and I have been talking about, you know, trying to schedule some and, and figuring out where, you know, where we can schedule some. So we are, you know, we are looking at doing some signing. I actually, some of the, you know, some of the upper Derby peeps have been saying, Hey, Casey has a big room, you know, in the back and you could have a book signing there. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's right down the go. street from it's right down the street from the high school, you know. It's not a bad spot. Absolutely. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean that's uh I mean that would definitely be the area I would I would definitely flood is uh Delco. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I've been living in Montgomery County for twenty one years, but I'm still a Delco kid. Yeah, once you're a Delco yeah. person, you can't take that Delco oh, out yeah. of you. I mean, I, you know, there there are times when I feel out of place up here. You know, I'm just like, oh, please give me back to Delco. So I'll sit there, like if I'm if I'm going, because all my family's down in Delaware County. So I'll I'll get on Facebook. I'm like, I'll be like, all right, ladies, you know, Billy Love is coming back to Delco. Be ready. I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is so funny. Cool. Well, Bill, this has been awesome talking to you. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I mean, that is a, a hell of an accomplishment for uh, for anybody, especially a person who was never expecting to do something like this. And, and right, even yeah. more so for going and serving our country. I mean, that's the bigger accomplishment. Uh, you know what? I tell everybody all the time, it was definitely my honor to be able to do that. That's awesome. And everybody needs to check out his website, too. It's williambowers.org. And uh, you can get the book on there and tons of information. Uh, there's pictures. There's the picture of the smut hut outside you can look at. <laughs> yeah, there's no inside picture to the smut hut. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. <laughs> uh, it's too funny. It's too funny. Bill, thanks again so much. And, uh, yeah, signings or whatever you're going to be doing, just uh, keep me updated. I'm sure Sandy will let me know or you let me know. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be out to support you. Absolutely, will do. Thank, thanks, for, thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, anytime, Bill. Thank you. Take care, man. All right, take care, Bill. You got it. That was wild. Now, yeah, man, a lot of crazy you, stories. You were in the military, weren't, weren't you? In the army, yeah. Yeah. How about like? Uh, do you think you have a book in you like that to do be able to do something like that? Um, I think probably I like I could do one on basic training that would probably blow people's minds. I mean, it's rough. I don't think that uh, the average person really understands what these people go through. I, I, I mean, it's, it's it's basically eight weeks of living hell 
Yeah, I, I know I couldn't. I, I Believe me. That's why I never did it. I didn't want to cut my hair, and there's no way I wanted to go away for eight weeks and get my ass kicked. I'll tell you I'll tell you one quick story if you want. Sure. Okay, so we're we're about halfway through basic training, so we will skip all the horrible stuff at the beginning and the horrible stuff in the middle. <laughs> and and we're right smack in the middle and it's like a free day, it's a Sunday. And uh they bring us down to the chow hall and for the first time ever the ice cream machine is working. And you're talking about July in Missouri. So it's hot. You know what I mean? So they got the ice cream on. They're feeding us. It's all you can eat. You know what I mean? Like all the rules don't apply on this Sunday. So we're all picking out, eating ice cream, having a good time. They call us outside and they march us over to this area. And then uh, we have to put on our gas mask. And they bring us into this room. And it's basically just a cell you know, uh, made of stone. And, and you go in 10 at a time, and each one of you has to take off your gas mask, say your name, your rank, your social security number, and then reseal your gas mask. Once everybody does it, then you can leave. But when you go in, they drop tear gas in on you. Holy cow. You're probably, so you're probably thinking, well, Nick, what the fuck does that have to do with ice cream? What it has to do with ice cream, Bay, is that these motherfuckers knew that the tear gas would curdle the ice cream in your stomach and make you throw your guts up. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I wish I didn't experience it, but I'm also <laughs> sort of glad I did. Like, Holy it was hell, and, but now I know that I can get through it. You know what I mean? Like, wow. And that's not the only time we were tear gas. Oh. During basic training, I was gassed three times. Jeez. <laughs> uh. See, that's we, one we, gay, we one story. <laughs> me, me and Janetti didn't experience that stuff in uh, basic training at Ringmasters. <laughs> right. Oh, man. That's too funny. Nope, not at all. <laughs> hey, but speaking of, hey, real quick, can I, uh, Nick, that was a sad story. I'm sorry for that. Today I, I found out, and I went when I went on Facebook. It was 25 years ago today that I had a, an ECW Heavyweight Championship match. I saw that. And spoiler alert, I didn't win. That was the best part of that post. Spoiler alert, I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. And I was thinking about that, and, you know, the only thing I remember of that match was that that hot body uh, German suplexed me, and I landed on my, on my neck and my shoulders so hard that I bounced up and landed on my knee. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's uh, the only part of that match that I remember. 
You know what? I I remember that night too. It's funny. Like I I missed. They, they were such good times at that place. Those shows. Oh yeah. I love those shows. I love that I can take a bus and the O train and get to the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, what I man. like. You know, I still whenever I drive by there, I still say to myself, "It's Michael Jacks." Yeah. What is it now? I don't even know what it is. I don't either. It's a store. <laughs> I, I. It's a store. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what it became. It became something, and now it's. I think it changed, but it's still a store. Yeah. So, uh, Nick, you wanted to uh, continue conversation from earlier, you said? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, I think it sort of plays into what we were just talking about and, you know, bad experiences and stuff like that. But um, Kristen was talking about uh, how people, you know, run into situations and, you know, you never can know what you're going to do until you're faced with that. And I was just, it made me wonder, like, what were some of, like, the worst situations that you've ever found yourself in? You know what I mean? Like, uh, terrorists or violence or, you, you know what I mean? Like, was there a situation where you surprised yourself? You didn't surprise yourself? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. As you were saying that, I was, like, literally, like, going through the role of decks in my life thinking to myself, like, I don't think I was ever in a situation. I, I really don't. But then the only, I'm guessing maybe the only thing that that popped in my head, and I'm surprised it did, I probably would have forgotten. I'm surprised I didn't forget about it. Um, I was 16 years old, and me and my buddy uh, John, we used to um, – you know, we wherever we'd be, we'd be out cruising or whatever, but I had the keys to my sister's house and she lived literally a block down the street from me and she had cable. So if we were like bored or something, or if I didn't have money for gas, like we would go to my sister's house and like hang out and watch MTV. So right. we, we go, uh, we pull up to my sister's house and we walk in the, the house and like as soon as you would walk, it was a row home. So as soon as you walked in, like the TV was there, and the TV was not there. It, it was like missing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, where's the TV? And then I'm hearing all this like movement and shuffling, and I walk around like to the kitchen and hear this guy who was actually a friend of my sister's and these two like kids who were younger than me were, like, trying to lift the TV out the back door. Oh. I'm like, what the fuck? So uh, me and my buddy John go to go chase them, and they had a car, like, right out back at the back door, and they fucking run, and they take off. And I'm like, fuck. So me and John, we run out the front door, and we get in my car, and it was literally, like, fucking Dukes of Hazard, like, chasing them. And I remember, like, Going as I'm trying to chase them, 
I was going into the oncoming traffic lane and trying to cut them off. Like, it was a whole fucking thing. And I ended up chasing, like, I was in Upper Darby, and I chased them into Philly, and then I I just, I couldn't get, because once we got into Philly, like, they were under the L and shit, and I was like, this is going to fucking end bad. So, um, that's when I, we called the cops and went back, I called my sister and went back to the house, and um, here they were like fucking shooting up. They like they left their fucking drugs and their heroin and their needles and shit all there on top of the TV. And it, it was a fucking freak show. I had to go to court afterwards and like finger them in court, and it was fucked up. So would you say that that was like the scariest situation you've ever been in? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I guess. I, I mean, um, I've never, I don't think I've really had any other type Your of life criminal. Life has never been in danger. Oh my god! I feel like there's a story that you want to tell, but no, you no, shouldn't. No, you know what? <laughs> Honest, I'm, I'm honestly like, I mean, there was one night I almost got jumped. I mean, it's not a bad thing, you know what I mean? Like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, that's awesome. That's, I was just curious, yeah, I, you know what I mean? Like, because. In situations like that, you you just never know how things are going to play out. We, you know, people shut down, they get crazy. It's it, it's wild. Yeah, uh, totally, totally. Like, how, how about you guys? Have either of you guys ever been in a situation? Yeah, I've been in like twelve, thirteen different situations where my life was in immediate danger. <laughs> like that. Um, but what about you, Jimmy? Uh, yeah. I- it was about 2011. I don't know. They, okay. they might remember me posting something about it. But, um, I was at the pawn shop, uh, managing the pawn oh, shop. Oh, yeah. And I was outside um, helping a customer put something in his truck. And black dude starts walking across the parking lot. And all of a sudden, his car comes, like, screeching into the into the parking lot. Dude jumps out of the car and takes two shots at the black guy, who I was in between. Oh, wow. So I ducked behind the customer's car. It turns out, and I didn't have my gun on me. I, leave, I, I didn't carry it like as a sidearm when I was in the store. I just carried it in. It was in the store for me. Uh, but it turned out that the two guys that were running the gun store that was attached to my store were outside smoking and both of them were armed and drew uh-huh. down on the guy. So, yeah, it was me. It was mostly me feeling stupid and helpless because I didn't have my sidearm on me. But other than that, yeah, that was that was the closest, you know. Now, now can you remember, like, oh, shit, like, did you have a plan? Was it all instinct? Um, you know what I mean? No, it wasn't really a plan. It was just, I heard the first shot 
and I looked over and I saw the dude with the gun and he and I saw him take the second shot and I just grabbed the customer and, and myself and hid behind the car. Oh wow. So that was you know, and then I heard uh Dennis and, and Roy uh when they drew down on the dude and I stood up then because I knew, you know, they had him covered. I, yeah, I remember you wild. You were really shaken up too. I remember talking to you afterwards. Yeah, I was. I was angry. It was more anger, you know, that I didn't have my my piece on me. I was just like, oh fuck, because if they weren't there, now I'm not going to say that the guy was after me. And I found out afterwards that basically this kid was trying to cross the street against traffic, and you know, either hopped over this dude's car or, or did something to it. And basically oh, wow. started running across the thing. And this guy sped up the corner to the parking lot and, and tried to shoot this dude. So it was like a road rage type thing. But I didn't know, you know, if those two weren't there with their guns, I don't know if this kid, you know, would have taken him down, shot at him more, and then, you know, no witnesses came over and shot us. Who knows? You never know what's going to happen in that situation. Even when you're faced with it. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. Now, how about, um, I, I remember, too, another, <laughs> I remember I called uh, when Janetti was working at the uh, at the pawn shop. I called him one day, and he's like, uh, I, I can't talk to the FBI's here. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, what was it, Virginia Tech? The guy that went and shot yeah. Virginia Tech bought the gun there from your uh, pawn shop? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it was actually, he had two guns. Um, one he bought from, he ordered like over, he had it sent to a, uh, a dealer in Blacksburg, which is where Virginia Tech is. And basically, you know, he came in and he filled out, Virginia has a, uh, excuse me, Virginia has a, uh, uh, you know, a thing you have to fill out. For every gun that you buy, you have to fill out a background check, basically. Um, And he filled out the background checks uh, at both stores. The the Virginia State Police cleared him, and he bought the guns from there. Oh, wow. Uh, So afterwards, and, uh, you know, I really felt bad for the guy that uh, in Blacksburg, and it was a gun shop owner. It wasn't like a pawn shop. He, he owned a gun shop. The only thing this guy did was fill out the background check for the guy. Basically, the guy bought the, uh, the gun over the Internet, but you have to send it to a licensed dealer to get, you know, the background check. Now, they charge you whatever for, you know, maybe like 30 bucks for the background check you know, to, to make it worth their while to do it. But they don't really make any money at it. They didn't buy, they didn't sell the gun there. They didn't do any of that. This guy just did the background check and he got flooded because the guy got one of the guns through his store technically. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, we, you know, and I, I don't remember the dude. I didn't sell him. Did. 
um, and did the background check. And I don't remember the kid at all. I wouldn't have been able to point him out if, you know, they gave me two pictures. Uh-oh. You know, both of the same dude. I still wouldn't have been able to pick him up. So it was just uh, one of those things. But, yeah, it sucks. All right, Bay. I think I have one for you that's pretty it's pretty uh, I think it's probably the least sad one I can tell you, okay? <laughs> but uh and, let, and let me just let me just little... say this real let me say this real quick. Uh, Batman's on the line. Batman, hold on uh, a few more minutes and, and we'll be right there. So go ahead, Nick. All right, I had two, but uh, I I got one and all right. <laughs> so just real quick, throwing it out there, you know, I grew up poor. Uh, let's get over that. So we were down at, um, I don't know if you know where Bridge and Pratt is in Philly, but it's a particularly shitty area of the city. And um, there's a welfare office right under the L. Um, okay. And I was in there with my mom waiting in line to get old school food stamps. And uh, about four dudes came in with machine guns and robbed the place while we were there. Holy shit. And the only thing I really remember about it is that it went by so fast that it felt like I didn't move at all. You know what I mean? Like, it was over so quick in my head. But it probably went on for about six minutes. Holy cow. Yes. Did you get the food stamps after? We did. We got the food stamps. (laughs) Oh, good. They didn't take all the food stamps. They just took money. Right, right, right. And they didn't rob anybody that was there. It was just, it was just the office that they were looking to rob. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Dude, I would have. I I totally would have just like shit myself right there over the floor. <laughs> well, you know who you would have needed, Batman. I, I totally would have needed Batman. And, and you know what? Batman would have saved the day because he is Batman. So let's welcome to the show. He is the Dark Knight of PA cosplay, and he's Batman. What's going on there, Batman? I'm Batman. <laughs> oh, he is so awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. Good. Now I, I got to tell you, like, and I say this to um to Echo Endless too. Whenever she's on, like, whenever I, you see Echo as She Hulk, like she is She Hulk. Like right. nobody else can be She Hulk. And you, Absolutely. you are Batman. Nobody else I, I've ever seen do Batman can be Batman like you. Thanks. I really appreciate that. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you heard earlier, like. Uh, I had mentioned um, how nobody has, as far as I know, nobody has seen you without the mask, except for one person who uh, is our friendly neighborhood pirate. And the pirate, I I was thinking, the pirate can almost be like your Alfred. I, I can see that. I actually refer to him more as my commissioner Gordon, even though he knows (laughs) the real me. But actually, a few people, a few people have seen me without the mask, have actually oh, okay. talked to me and didn't even know it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the story he told. He told me like one day you uh, 
you stop by the store and drop something off for another cosplayer and you were there talking to them and they didn't realize it was you and then you left and they, then they picked up the stuff and the pirate was uh, quite amused by that whole situation. Right, right. I kind of <laughs> blend into the shadows even without the cape and cow. <laughs> so uh, the Dark Knight cosplay, he of uh, PA cosplay, he is our first, uh, he's our featured cosplayer in our first issue of our magazine. And uh, I, I think there definitely was uh, no better of a choice uh, to represent um, cosplaying in the Philadelphia area than you yourself. I, I actually disagree with that, but I, I appreciate it. There's plenty of others you could have chosen who've been in it a lot longer and actually do a lot more than I do. But now, I how really long, do appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Now, how long have you been doing this for? Wow. Uh, well, like I told you before, my first custom bat suit was when I was five years old, which is a very, very long time ago. <laughs> um, I, I guess I was cosplaying before there was the word cosplay but really to be to be active as far as going to conventions and doing parties on a regular basis i'd say it's it's been probably a little over two years now now did you start doing um the parties first or did you start doing the cosplaying first with the conventions and all uh Probably, I did, well, I went to the original, I think like I told you, the original Wizard World convention back in, I think it was 92, 93, somewhere around there. But that was just, um, it was sponsored by Wizard World. It was at the old Civic Center. It wasn't called Wizard World. I think it was just called Philadelphia Comic Con. Okay. And at that point, I was just, you know, some weird guy in a bat suit. Wasn't really a, a big cosplay presence, and uh, I'd say that that was the first convention in costume. And then I I did parties over the years for friends and people that knew I'm Batman, and, and you know, <laughs> asked, asked me to show up. But then it was uh, a, a few free comic book days at different stores and. Uh, then was it, a, it was a Batman Day, really at Ontario Street. Actually, the first okay. Batman Day it was it was three different comic shops in one day, which was oh, a little wow. crazy. Yeah, I was running back and forth, but it it was uh, it was interesting, and it was just at Ontario Street. It was it was just the the best feeling from the people that showed up. There were so many people, and they were just so appreciative and happy to see Batman. Then I was like, okay, this is Gotham City for me. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really um, – I, I, I guess the last two years or so that I've really come to know you and uh, – well, know Batman and have seen your uh, your character truly take off in the area. Yeah, it it actually has. It's really surprised me, and I get a lot of emails and messages on Facebook and just 
the messages I get from the the parents for the you know having the pictures with their kids it it really makes it all worthwhile. That's awesome. And, and it, it's got to be kind of like almost um, shocking to you too, like. I mean, it's really turned into a thing like where now, like at these conventions, like there's all these like photo shoots and all, and some of the pictures that are coming out of these things, I mean, they, they look amazing. Yeah, it really, honestly, well, the picture used in the mag- magazine by Joshua, that that just, that blew my mind. When I saw that picture, I looked at it and I, I said, that's me? That's not me. <laughs> you know, it, uh, he he does a great job. A lot of the photographers do a great job, um, but Joshua and I hope I don't butcher his last name, Astacio Photography. He he's just he's a great guy. He does the <clears throat> you know we did the Superheroes Read Two initiative at Ontario Street to encourage kids to right. read. Okay, you know, that was a lot of fun, and I hopefully we're going to be doing more of those. Um, but yeah, he does a great job and it's, it's funny when you build this, you know, this costume in your basement garage or whatever and see what you look like in the mirror and it's like, yeah, that, that looks okay. That looks like Batman. But then when you see what a photographer can do with it, it, it just blows your mind. Now, and these costumes like you build, I mean, it's not like you're sitting there and, uh, you're not knitting and stitching together like cloth and all. I mean, these are like heavy duty freaking costumes. Yeah, the the latest one though, the the one actually in that picture, the gray one. That that's really um, that is spandex, and it's a uh, a, a sub dye pattern that I I bought online. That's modeled after the uh, Dawn of Justice bat suit with that pattern on it. But then I, you know customize it with my own style, you know, my oval logo that I like and switch the, the cows up. I have a, as you know, I have a few cows. I switch back and forth between. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, that one's a lot lighter than, you know, the, I think it's about 60, I think over 60 pounds with the cape, the heavy black one. <clears throat> the one I almost died in at the uh, Marvel versus DC day at Ontario street in July. Yeah. Like that one. I mean, it was probably like a hundred and something degrees out. It was so humid. And I was there in a t-shirt and a pair of shorts and I was dying. I felt so bad for Batman. Like at one point he actually like had to go to like, just sit in his car in the AC, I think. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I sat in the car in the AC and uh, I poured some ice and water into the costume because <laughs> once I'm in the suit, I don't take it off until the event's done. I don't take the mask off. I don't take anything off until the event's done. And, you know, a lot of the other cosplayers, they they were had costumes where they could take parts off. They were still getting air and... uh I, I think I was there from probably like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I think it was about one, two o'clock when I started, everything started to turn white in my vision. 
And I thought, you know what? I better go sit down before kids yeah. see Batman just sprawled out on the parking lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I think I took about 15, 20 minutes and you know, cooled myself off and went back out for the rest of the day. Uh, that that was a real real test. So, all right, so I, I I, I got to ask a goofy question then. So you, you don't take the costume off for once you're in it. And what have you got to do to the bathroom? There are provisions for that. The Batsuit <laughs> is fully functional. There is a way to take those breaks without taking the costume off I, and not going in the costume. There is a that cut piece is- that's removable. That is so awesome. <laughs> Batman I is plan prepared. ahead for everything. <laughs> oh, that is so great. That is so freaking great. Now, who is like uh your favorite uh your favorite Batman in the movies? Like who has portrayed your favorite Batman? In the movies it's Keaton. Absolutely. I, I think Affleck is doing a great job so far. He looks like Bruce Wayne, he looks like Batman. But Keaton, to me, just I remember when they announced that Keaton was going to be Batman, and and I thought, how can this guy be Batman? You know, I still think of him from you know, he was he was a comedian yeah. back then. He was he was on TV. He was a comedian. Yeah, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Mr. You're right, and even before that, he, he was on a a TV show or two, I, I believe. I can't think of the names now, but, you know, he was just a goofy, skinny, little comedian. I thought, how can this guy be Batman? But then I saw the movie, and I was like, okay, he's Batman. And he was, I mean, before him it was Adam West. It was the old TV serials. It was the cartoon on TV you know, the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And Keaton was the first one to actually change his voice from right. Bruce Wayne to Batman. And I thought, finally, that makes sense. Because I, I used to think when I watched, even as a little kid watching the 60s series, how can all these people, Commissioner Gordon, Chief O'Hara, not realize that Batman and Bruce Wayne speak exactly the same? You know, there's no difference in the voice and the manner in which they speak or anything. But Keaton changed that. And then as far as the voice goes, to me, Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman. Interesting. You know, he, he I think he really perfected that in the animated series. No, I, I really agree with you on the Keaton thing and just to add something there to it. I think that he he added a layer of depth to Bruce Wayne. There was darkness behind his eyes. And that is something that the later films have explored in more detail. But at the time, coming off of Adam West, that was right. it was a brilliant performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just like that, it, even the, the, the one scene with well, while he's Bruce Wayne in Vicki Vale's apartment with the Joker there, and it's, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. You know, you, you saw that. Yeah, absolutely. His, you know, he revealed Bruce Wayne is nuts. <laughs> you know, 
He was he was scary in that moment, even as Bruce Wayne. Now, how about um, you mentioned Adam West? What were your thoughts like? Like to me, I guess growing up with Adam West, like that was always just Batman to me. Like I've never really truly gotten into the newer Batmans, like since Keaton on down the line. Really, really? Yeah, I, I've just always liked the the Batman of. Adam West, or even like the the Hanna Barbera cartoons of the seventies, and well, yeah, they they were. I enjoyed those. I enjoyed just having that on TV. But I I told you before, even as a child, I would look at it and say, okay, he's Batman. He's a creature of the night. But how is blue and gray a bat? Where does the blue come from? You know, what what bat is blue? It's to me, you know, seeing Keaton in the full black suit finally is like, okay, that makes sense. That's a bat, and I can go with the, the, you know, the the black and gray too. It's it's dark. I understand that, you know, in the comics, well, the first Batman comic he was black and gray, and then it, it evolved to a blue and gray, just because it looked better on the page. It was, you know, brighter. It was colorful for the comics, but a, a blue and gray Batman to me makes no sense at all. So we would never see you uh, cosplay as the Adam West Batman, I, was, I guess then. I highly doubt it. <laughs> uh, now, how about um, in the, like the old serials, you mentioned those too. What did you think about those old uh, the older original style Batman's. I actually still have those. I have uh, DVDs of those, and I've watched them from time to time. And and for the time, I thought they were they were good. They were good for the time. And those outfits, well, the whole serials, all both of them are in black and white anyway. But you can see he is black and gray. So yeah, I like it. I like it. Other than the giant ears pointing out to the side. I didn't like that. <laughs> they could have done a better job there. <laughs> now, how about like uh, the cons? I mean, it's con season now. You got the big one coming up next mm-hmm. week, Wizard World. Um, which uh, which is your favorite con to uh, attend? I actually tend to prefer the smaller ones. I like the, you know, the, the less commercial well it's kind of strange to say but really I said less commercial but less publicized ones the ones that aren't as you know just crowded I yeah I really I, I really I enjoy retrocon um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed great Philly great Philly was a great time and um, actually I, I went to uh, the last one I went to was East Coast Comic Con which I didn't think I was going to do before just I I usually don't it's a little further out of the area than I travel and uh I really had a good time at that that was that was a good one and Baltimore Comic Con actually was was great and when I I saw you at one of the uh what was it the Tom's River Yeah Comic-Con. I was going to say like that was like so shocking to me because I mean that was a a good hour and a half almost 2 hour ride uh, well, for me at least, 
And right. um, it was just a small little comic book show. And you you were there. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God, he came all this way? And, and the best <laughs> part is he rides all that way in costume. Yes, I do. <laughs> Full bat suit in a black Mustang. Cal on and everything. But uh, actually, awesome. well, that I, I, know, I know you said that that's a long way for you, and, and it's, uh, well, it's a, about the same ride for me, too. But um, to me, I actually grew up in Jersey, and I okay. spent a lot of my youth and teen years and on at Seaside Heights long before that stupid Jersey Shore show. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, back when it was fun. So to me, Tom's River, um, Seaside Heights, that's, it's like the neighborhood to me. I, I actually, I really enjoyed going to that one. And, you know, it, it is definitely a smaller con, but at the smaller cons, you get to talk to people more. You get to talk to the vendors, the artists, and, um, you know, just interact with people a lot more without, yeah, at the bigger cons, you can get some pressure. Like you have to be here, you have to be there, you have to, you know, just be part of this group. And right. I, I like, you know, I, I like more relaxed approach to it. Yeah, I, I, that's how I am too. Like, I mean, I'm, not that I cosplay, but going to these conventions, like the, you know, like your quote unquote Wizard World one. Um, like I haven't been there in a couple years and I was going to go to this one because Charlie Sheen was going to be there. And when he canceled, I was <laughs> excited. I was like, so happy. I was like, Oh good. I don't have to go just because it, it, yeah. it is like so crowded that you truly can't enjoy yourself. Right. Right. And you know, I, I've been back and forth on that for a while. Like, I don't know if I'm going, I'm not going. And at this point I'm not, I'm not going. That's actually, that actually falls on my birthday weekend. And I was thinking, well, you know what, that, that would be pretty cool to do a con on my birthday, but I just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just too much for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I agree with you. It would have been fun to, uh, meet the man with the tiger blood, but, Absolutely. uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but that's a reason to skip it. And, um, you know, with the cons, though, I've, I've actually met a lot of the celebrities. There have been so many nice people, and I just want to want to talk about John Wesley Shipp for a minute. I met him at um, Great Philly Comic Con. He, he was, was awesome. He was absolutely the nicest guy, nicest celebrity I've ever met. And, you know, you saw the the picture we did I did a picture with him of holding the the watchman button mm-hmm. you know for the recent you know the the button crossover and it, it, the button right. storyline and it was bef- it was before that came out and you know I went up to him and you know, talked to him at first and you know asked to get his picture and I pulled the button out of my utility belt and I said can we take a picture with this and and he just said we can do whatever you want and somebody walking by saw the button and said, wow, that's really important, like pointed at it. And John Wesley Shipp looked at me and he said, 
I guess this really is important. Other people know what it is. He didn't know what it was, and I briefly right. explained it to him. And then we, you know, I, I tried to describe the the covers that were coming out. So I just described it to him, and we did that picture. And he let us take, I don't know, five, six shots, but he he just nailed it, like just the expression on his face and everything. And he was just, he was so kind and so accommodating. He's just really a great guy. Yeah, he, he is. Uh, actually, I met him the, the following day uh, when you met him. And yeah, and, and yet you, uh, you avoided me that whole day. You couldn't find my <laughs> ginormous cape I was wearing. I, I don't know how the hell that happened. I, like, how, how could do I you go not through? spot me? You know what it was? I think because we went early, and I think you were there later in the day. I was. I think I was there all day. Oh well, then I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But he he truly was like I've met again like you like so many celebrities, and he was so nice and. He even did like a quick my my uh, my older daughter Rita couldn't make it because of work, and he even did like right. a quick video saying hello to her and all. I mean, such Sorry, a nice I, guy. I saw that. That was great. That was great. Yeah, he is. And uh, uh, another one was uh, Robin Taylor, who plays the Penguin on Gotham. Yes. Yeah, I met I met him last year, and he he's another one. He was just he was so nice, and I had the 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 black bat suit on and I walked up to him and he did, he was just like, Oh, the penguin finally gets to meet Batman. And I just said, are you behaving yourself Oswald? And he did this like, little, Ooh, it's like, Oh, you've got the voice too. <laughs> he was, and you know, we, we did a few pictures. He, he was another really nice guy. And, and, you know, wanted to talk about the show and asked what I liked, what I didn't like about it. It was just a really, again, a genuinely nice person. That's awesome. Now, what are your thoughts about uh, the Gotham TV show? Have you watched it this season? Uh, you know what? I've, I've didn't really pay attention to it too much. I couldn't get into it the first part of the season. The last few okay. weeks, I've really gotten into it, where it's really brought my attention back to it. it right. It's been amazing. I, I think it's they've done a great job. And um, just seeing, you know, they're definitely getting into Bruce is, at, you know, I don't know what he's supposed to be in the show right now. I'm thinking in his teens, like mid-teens, and he's right. really becoming Batman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I really, I I wasn't sure at first the idea of it. It's really a, even though it's supposed to be a Batman show, it's it's really the story of Jim Gordon. And, right. And um, uh, they, they do a great job with that. And, Harvey Bullock to me, he steals the show almost every time he's on there. But yeah. <laughs> uh, he is a trip. He is so funny. Yep. No, I don't nice. know what they're gonna do with her. But along with Bullock, I gotta tell you guys, Barbara is money every time she's on screen. Oh so, like, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know how her character is ever gonna recover. 
but uh, she she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's she's. It's like they're doing a version of Harley Quinn with her lately, though. She's really she's got that craziness to her. Absolutely. Yeah, they totally changed direction of her character, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, from the first season, absolutely. So, when do you want to talk about the CW shows and how many spoilers? Do we have to do a spoiler alert before we talk about them, or what? Oh, I'll tell you what. Well, the real question is, how many more hours do you have? (laughs) 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 That's true. Uh, well, I, well, let's start on Monday night. Supergirl. I I didn't see. It. I I need to go back and watch the whole season. So I don't know if you guys caught it. So if, if you guys caught it, you're more than welcome to talk about it. Well, I've I need to rewatch the whole season because I've been in and out of it because it conflicts with Gotham, you know. And and I I right. Gotham over Supergirl, but I did watch the season finale and I. Actually, with all of the CW shows, I thought these were the best season finales ever for any of them, and um, I was I was I was I was impressed by it. And with Supergirl, it, it just seems like they are bringing in so many real comic book characters. You know, Martian Manhunter, uh, Miss Martian, their uh, Red Tornado. They're bringing all these characters are just like dumping them in the show and it, and they're pretty close to their comic book outfits and I, I really like that about the show um, I also like that as has been a history with CW shows they are honoring the past of the DC shows they, they bring in Terry Hatcher yeah, they have yeah. Terry Hatcher as the, you know the, the villain of this, they and you know they have Dean Kane as her adoptive father. They have Helen Slater as her adoptive mother. Helen Slater, the original Supergirl from the movies. Yeah, um, I, I love that they do that. But uh, I do too. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember all the details of this season. Like I said, I was in and out of it, but I thought the season finale was great. Now, I, I'll say that I think it was a really solid season. I, I think that it suffered from not having Cat Grant. And honestly, it's only because she's so well-written and her delivery is just amazing. But um, well, I, I yeah. really like where it goes. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, she was, but she was in the finale, too. So. It was, and she was awesome. Right, <laughs> right exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, and they you brought got the Superman answer to back the in. Question, right? The, the question right. was, does Cat Grant know that Kara yes, is Supergirl? Yes, and they answered does. it. She, yes, yep. she does. <laughs> oh, and, but Kara, but Kara doesn't know that Cat Grant knows. Right. But right. I mean, it was so. But she's so smart. I mean, she she figured out who Jimmy was <clears> instantly. <throat> She, you know right. what I mean? It was just, it was a very well, they, we, earlier today we were talking about like female positive stuff. And that's a show that has so many like positive female roles uh, from Linda Carter right. as the president to, you know, Alex, oh, not yeah. so much this season, but last season, she was a monster, man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. She was a badass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I completely forgot about that. They, they have the original Wonder Woman in the show too, Linda Carter. 
which is awesome. Um, the the one issue I have with the show, and you brought up Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. My issue with, well, we can't even call him Jimmy Olsen. It's James Olsen. Right. Uh, to me, Jimmy Olsen is not a superhero. He's not a cool, good-looking guy that you know women are attracted to. Jimmy Olsen in the comics is, you know, a nerdy photographer, you know, little geeky guy. Right, <laughs> he's, right. He's Jimmy Olsen. He's Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Like that was, but I, I love. To me, it's James Olsen is not. James Olsen in that show is not the Jimmy Olsen from the comics, but he's a great right. character on that show. Um, you know, I love that they made him Guardian, who is, you know, that's. Um, now I'm drawing a blank on Guardians real name because I think there were what two three different guardians in the comics yeah yeah there were a few uh, there were uh, there were a few of them actually and I want to say the other one of the other ones was on um, you're, I think you're talking about Jim Harper though right yeah, Jim Harper that's it right yeah yeah right right that was the guardian I was thinking to me that's like he's playing Jim Harper yeah who you know Jimmy um Interestingly enough, though, I mean, Golden Guardian, the, the the book that he premiered in was Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen number 135. So it is kind of wow. like at least a little nod to that. You know what I mean? That That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, that, I think the show, I, I really love what they did with Monel. With, with him going in right. the direction that he has to go in because of right. you know who right. his character is, he now has exactly. a reason to be a hero. You know what I mean? Like right, absolutely. I, I wish and, they would have given him the. I wish they would have shown him in the red suit with the blue cape, though. That's that's my one gripe. Like he had a, a red suit at one point. I think when he was in the pod, right. he was wearing a red suit. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we'll probably added a, a see blue him next cape. season. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah, but he uh, saw the Legion it, ring in the Fortress of Solitude, so I imagine that's going to play in there somewhere. Yeah, and they and they had the uh, the Legion ring was also in the uh, the Speed Force. That right. was it last season when the Flash was running through the Speed Force, and he saw, and actually in that they showed. John Wesley ship as the Flash from the '90s TV series, but they showed yeah. the Legion ring, right, and right. It, it looked like it looked like a shot of the Legion ring from Smallville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That's funny, man. That's but I mean, it was a solid season. I think that this guy yeah. is my probably my second second favorite Superman. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. Uh, I I like the way Henry Cable Cable. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, how the he pronounces it, but uh, right. I like the way he looks as Superman. I like what he does, but I don't like the material he's been given so far. I don't. I do not like a dark Superman. Batman's dark. Superman is. You know, they say right. his symbol mean. You know, he says his symbol means hope. Well, then act that way. You know, don't be this. You know, 
depressed. Oh, everybody hates me, and <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> you know. You want be, the big blue the, boy scout, right? Be the Superman in the Supergirl series. Be you know, be a symbol of hope, and actually smile once in a while. You know, Superman smiles. Batman doesn't. Superman does. Oh, too funny. And, Bay, you haven't seen it yet, but you get an answer to the question, who's going to win on a fight, Superman or Supergirl? Absolutely. That was great. Uh, you know what? I think I heard the answer, and people were shocked by it and disappointed by it. I, well, I'm telling you, I wasn't disappointed by it. No, and I, I thought that people are saying that it's not comics accurate. I thought that recently it is comic accurate. Right. You know, ever since the, well, not, it wasn't New 52. It was before that when uh, Supergirl came back and Batman found her and, uh, you know, was basically measuring her powers and basically said, she's more powerful than you. Absolutely. I I thought it was well done. The fight was well choreographed. It didn't look fake, you know what I mean? Like, it, they mm-hmm. did a great job. Yeah, all around in PW shows, especially in the finales with the, with the uh, special effects, they did an incredible job. And, you know, just the, uh, not just the finale, but last week on The Flash with the, it was very quick, which is appropriate, but the fight between Flash and Savitar in the park, that, that high-speed fight, uh, this is great for TV. It's amazing. Absolutely. And, and can we say one thing about the Flashman? Does anybody deliver their lines better than Captain Cold? No. No, come on. That, that's, well, actually, we can't just say it about the Flash now. We have to say that about the CW in general because he's on right. every show now. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. So, so speaking Eddie. of the Flash, uh, so what were uh, what was everybody's thoughts uh, going into the the finale? How they finished it off? Well, I I thought honestly the, the part I was sad about is my favorite version of Wells is gone. <laughs> Poor HR. I know he was uh, he. You know, people say he was useless or whatever, but he was—he became the heart of the team, the inspiration, and um, it, just the things he did, the things he said. I just loved every time he was on screen and his interactions with Cisco. And yeah, you can't say enough about the actor either because he's played at least three versions of that character now, and he does them all completely differently. Yeah, that's awesome. That's volumes so. for him. It, it's hard to be too sad about his death, though, because he really, they, they finished his story. You know what I mean? Like, he got such a complete from beginning to end story that they they made him a hero in his death. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, just, they, they absolutely amazing. did, yeah. Yeah, they absolutely did. Now uh, I'm so glad Gypsy showed up. I, I really that missing, that was a surprise. I've been Golden Glider a lot, so I'm glad that there's somebody there taking that place. That was a definite surprise to me. 
<laughs> I really enjoyed that. Oh man. Yeah, everything about the episode, I, I just, I, I thought, I, honestly, I thought when I saw that finale, I thought, wow, this is the best CW finale ever. And then Wednesday night came along. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, one last thing about the Flash, though. I mean, how cool was it to see all three of them, one, two, three, you know, that Jay Garrick, Wally, yes. and, yes. oh, come on. <laughs> okay, and, and, and one more thing about The Flash, and this is, if anybody hasn't seen it and doesn't want spoilers and hasn't gotten enough spoilers yet, wants to tune out for a minute, with Barry doing what he did, to me, right. that that was like, I really think, for the at least for the first episode, I'm, I think and I'm hoping we're going to see Wally in the red suit. I, you know I, mean? I want to see it. I, I'd rather see him in the silver one, but I, I, the red one's good as long as it frees up the yellow one for Bart. Well, that's that's true too. That, that's what I was. I was thinking that they may start off the season with a condensed version of what the twenty years between Infinite Crisis and, um, or I'm sorry, twenty years between Crisis on Infinite Earths and Barry Allen's return. I think they might do a condensed version of that, where Wally has been the Flash since Barry's been gone. Maybe Bart appears and. Then they get into bring Barry back. So then you got Jay Garrick, Wally West, Bart Allen, and Barry Allen all running. Right, and I mean that's at, amazing. At, at as soon as the episode ended, I could hear the beginning of next season. My <laughs> name is Wally West. I've always <laughs> been I'm addicted to speed. My my mentor gave the ultimate, you know, sacrificed himself to save the earth. Now I am the fastest man alive. I am the Flash. See now, uh, as soon as that all ha- happened, my instant uh, feelings were, and I said this to Nick the next day. I think they did all that because of the Justice League movie coming out, and th- this way they can like kind of hide Barry for a little while and do exactly what you said, like put Wally in the red suit for a while and then they can bring Barry back in after a little bit and then uh, you know what I mean so the, the the world is not confused by the two different flashes and Barry Allen's going on at the same yeah, time yeah 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 um that's kind of a sore spot for me like I I was <laughs> I was so disappointed that DC did that because Grant Gustin has done such a great job to me as the Flash totally. and you know, like, you know, why would you bring somebody else in as the Flash on the movies? Why can't you, you know, to me, Marvel is connected between movies and TV. Why can't you do that? Why, you know, why change the actors? But, you know, they have their reasons, and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it either way because it's still a superhero movie. The, the crazy thing is, though, it's not just, Grant Gustin that's putting on these superior performances. Like, could you imagine anybody else as Captain Cold right now? 
could you imagine no. anybody else as Deathstroke? I think Deathstroke is the best live-action DC villain since Michael Rosenbaum set the bar as Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. Yep. And how great, how great was that last night to have him back finally? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go back to last week when he when he showed up <laughs> to 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 tell him. Jumping out of my couch, like, can you hear me? Yeah, you just cut out there for a minute. Oh, yeah. I, I was saying, I'm going back to next or last week when uh, when uh, Oliver went and to the the prison to talk to him and tell him he needs his help. At that point, it was like I, I was jumping off my couch and my arms were flailing in the air, like I was like freaking the hell out. Yeah, it was amazing. It was also seeing It was also seeing a, a Spartacus reunion on that show too Hell Another yeah. one of my favorite shows If Amanda Waller Was there it would have been complete <laughs> Yeah absolutely <laughs> Yeah Oh man Well come on is everybody happy That Nissa Basically whooped her ass You know what oh, I mean yeah. like, there, there was yeah. no contest Like it, it, <laughs> Yeah. Whenever anything involves yeah. Nissa, I'm happy. Oh yeah. <laughs> but again, funny. look at that show. There, that's a show that took all these characters that didn't exist or were small characters, and now they're like fan favorite characters. You know what I mean? You look at uh, I mean honestly, everybody on the show just about was kind of a minor character or didn't exist, and now you're like, they're in the comics. Diggs in the comics. Uh, just, right. you know, so much. It's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, Who would have thought that one of your favorite characters could be Quentin Lang? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, one of my favorite parts of last night's episode, last night's episode was Felicity was a lot less whiny than usual. Yes. Uh, Hallelujah. Yeah, now, and I actually, uh, I in a message last night was talking to Big Daddy Cosplay about this. Um, who do you think lived and died? Oh, I think they. I think all the good guys lived because um, Slave knows the island. There, there's no way. You know what I okay. mean? Like I, I right. yeah. And that's what I that's what I, I said to him. I said I think Slade really became the hero right then because he knows the island even better than Oliver, possibly. So there was a tunnel, a cave thing that he got everyone into. But I said I still think somebody died and I'm thinking maybe even a little hoping it was Felicity. Um or I'd be okay with the mom, to be honest with you. Well, and then now see, and that's what that's what Big Daddy Cosplay said to me, and it, he made a good point. He said he thinks that you know the mother died, and next season the focus will be can Oliver be a father, a vigilante, and a mayor? Mm. I, that's a good call. 
that's a really yeah. good call. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I, even think of that, but that that makes a lot of sense. I I would say if I had two quote unquote complaints regarding the season finale is the 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 lack of anything resembling a suicide squad, especially when there was a minor reference on Flash and also not having Roy. I, I just I don't know what the hell's going on there, but it's a mistake. They like Roy should be back. And they even mentioned right. him. Yeah. I think it was last week's episode, and, I think they mentioned him. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought I read somewhere that he was going to be back by the end of the season. Yeah, I but wish it, I knew it, what it was going happen. on there. It just didn't yeah. happen, yeah. Yeah, well, I, mean, I actually I I loved seeing, you know, uh, Green Arrow and Red Arrow together when it was the two of them. I, I just thought that was so cool. That was well, I mean, Oliver is CW's version of Batman. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. Okay, so that was like seeing Batman and Robin on TV. You know, Green Arrow and Red Arrow. I think I I think you're absolutely right because when you when you think about that first scene where Oliver was there and Sarah came up and she was in full black canary gear, it reminds you of the rooftop scene with Catwoman and Batman. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. I can't wait now. I, I can't believe we're going to wait until uh, October now for it to come back. Yeah. Yeah. But I gotta tell you guys, one of the the show that's not getting as much love as it really should is Legends of Tomorrow, man. I I, I had the most I, fun with that show this season. Okay, I I really really enjoy that show, but I what what bothers me is that on the Flash you have Barry traveling through time, changing something, and he changes things in Arrow. He changes right. the sex of Diggle's child, you know, but Legends of Tomorrow, they hop all through the time periods, and you don't see that reflected in the other shows, really. Now, and, and, and listen, you're 100% right. Like, there's no argument there. It's just that with Legends, I can turn that part of my brain off, like, because it's just a fun, like, what-if episode. Almost every episode, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I do miss Hawkgirl, though. I do, yes. but I love the interaction between Steel and, and Ray. Like, they're, like they're deep trying right. to out-speaking of each other. Yeah. And but, but shouldn't Steel be called Commander Steel? Wasn't that the actual character's name in the comic? Well, I want to say that if the grandfather was Commander Steel and the kid is Citizen Steel, right? Citizen Steel. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because they're just calling him Steel. So every time I hear Steel, I'm thinking of, you know, Steel from Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I I know who the character is. But I think that actor and that character was a great addition to the show. I just, I I really enjoyed Hawkgirl, especially since she started on Flash and then went to Legends of Tomorrow. Right. It was nice to have that connection. And she was a great character to have around. I I do wish that they, uh, you know, go back to that someday. Um, 
But I, I, you know, the first season with Vandal Savage, it was a kind of a serious season. And then going into the second season, they did a lot of just like pop culture stuff, a lot of messing with right. history, and it just ended George up being Lucas. fun. They had George Lucas in Legends of Tomorrow. Come on, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And, and I uh, love how when George Lucas was going to disappear. You had Ray, who was stopped being a scientist because of right, Star Wars, right, and the other guy right. stopped being an archaeologist because of Indiana Jones. Exactly, <laughs> that, that was that was perfect. And they even had what they had zombies in the Civil War. Yeah, that one episode. Yeah. It was It's a fun show. It's a fun season. And, yeah, Rory. and two characters, yeah. again, that stood out are Sarah coming into her role as captain and Rory. You took, like, a yeah. D-level villain and made him one of the best characters on the show. Yeah, and see, that's, that's another thing I miss, too, about the show was at the end of season one, it was Sarah and Captain Cold who saw something brewing there, you know, a relationship brewing. I, I right. loved their interaction. And that, yeah, that that season one, it still bothers me. I mean, come on. Did he really have to hold that button? He's got a freeze gun. Couldn't he have frozen (laughs) it in place and put an ice wall around it and they all could have survived? Come on. But, you know, it was a hero's death, so that's fine. And they found a way to bring him back. You know what I mean? Like, Sarah's the only one on the boat having as much sex as she wants. You know what I mean? In every time zone she goes to. Well, yeah, she's she's the female Captain Kirk, basically. Oh. That's That's funny. That's so great. And and again, they took a character like White Canary, which was really like a fake reference to a character, and turned her into this awesome... I mean, arguably... People like Sarah more than they do Laurel, right? I mean, can we agree on that? I'm not arguing. I'm in total agreement. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, fact, and I'll tell you what, the, the, the new Black Canary on Green Arrow, yes. I like her better than Laurel. I love seeing the Black Canary cry off. That was awesome. Right. right. Yeah, that was great. I mean, I Laurel was fun. She was a good character. She, the actress, did a good job. But to me, Sarah was a much stronger Black Canary. And, totally. um, I agree. And the new one, and the new one again, the new one isn't as strong as Sarah, but she's stronger than Laurel. As right. far as yes. the character goes, to me, yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I guess last night. Uh, yeah, last night during the um, during the finale of Arrow, like seeing all those characters, it's still. Uh, and you can say this for all of those shows. It, it's just mind blowing to actually be able to see these characters on television because uh, you got to admit you never expect to see. Uh, no. Ninety percent of these characters on TV. Right, right, and just the whole invasion crossover. How, you know, how great was that mid-season seeing all the shows crossover together? All, you know, the lineup of all the heroes together was 
it was like, you know, my childhood dreams of the seventies come true. Right. No, I, I'm to- I'm totally with you, man. I last week or so I posted a picture and it was uh the the death of Supergirl picture where Superman's holding her and it was the one from right. the episode and it was just like I got to see that in live action. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it was awesome. It wasn't cheesy. It was. I mean, it rocked. And that's. I mean, right. who can, you can talk all the shit you want about the DC movies. You didn't like this. You didn't like that. When you see Aquaman riding on the top of the Batmobile, how that, can you not yeah. smile? <laughs> but, come on. How can you not like Jason Momoa as any character? You know, he's, <laughs> he's just a he's just a great presence and to him for him to be Aquaman to finally, finally make the character cool is amazing. Yeah, who I else? Who else could make Aqu- who else could make Aquaman cool? Totally, I'm I'm with you. Oh man, oh man, I'm loving it. I'm loving all these shows. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's and a great it's time to be a geek. It, it is because now you don't. Back in the day, you used to just get one. Like Superman would come out, and that's all you got. Or, and then Batman came out, and then you didn't get anything else. But now, like, I love Green Arrow like they love Flash. You know what I mean? He loves Flash like you love Batman. Like, we all have something right. to reach out to now. It's, right, right. It's an amazing time to be a comic book fan. Absolutely. And I don't know, I, I haven't followed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know if you guys do or not. I Obviously, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Marvel fan. I do enjoy the movies. I was a Marvel fan way back when, but for the past, I don't know, ten, twenty years, I haven't really picked up a Marvel comic. But when I heard Ghost Rider was going to be on Agents of Shield, I had to watch the first few episodes, and I thought it was a, it was a great version of the character. It, w- it was, and there was a little almost cameo. You know what I mean? They showed another Ghost Rider get off a motorcycle, and they only right. showed you right. his leg. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it was. Yeah. The effect was awesome. The way that he used the chains was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't, and I didn't watch the rest of the season. I didn't see the finale. I heard a little bit about it. Um, but it's it seems like, you know they're doing a good job there too. It's it's just you know comics are everywhere and doing a great job. I will tell you this as a fan of Captain America and the Patriot and stuff like that. Later on in the end of the season, you get a like true Patriot moment where he's in the suit and he's strong and it's I mean it's a real awesome payoff. It's I, it was the best season I think in a long time. Good. And uh, how about the Netflix shows? You you guys watch the Netflix oh, Marvel yeah. shows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what what is your out of the ones we've seen so far? Daredevil with two seasons. Um, we saw Jessica Jones. We saw Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and now they're leading into the Defenders, which we haven't seen yet. Of those. Four shows, which are your, which is your favorite? 
I'm well, going to say Daredevil seen, season two. Yeah, say, I've only seen okay. the Daredevils and Jessica Jones, but I, I'm going to lean towards Daredevil without a doubt. Okay. Okay. I I thought that until I saw Luke Cage. Luke Cage is the first Marvel Netflix series that I I could not stop watching. I had to binge watch it in like 24 hours. It was everything about it was amazing to me. It was great. The acting was incredible. It was funny. There was so much humor in it. Um, Daredevil was great, especially season two. And to me, season two, the Punisher is what really yeah. made season two. John Bernthal did, you know, he just, was, he blew everybody else away as the Punisher. There was this, like, yeah. religion versus philosophy thing going on between the two characters, and their, like, fight slash conversation stuff. I mean, honestly, it was some of the best TV of that year. Right, right. Absolutely. But, Bay, uh, you said you, you haven't watched Luke Cage yet? I haven't, but... Uh... I'll tell you what, after you saying how you just described it, I think I'm going to start watching it over the weekend. <laughs> okay, you, you got to watch it, and you remember the 70s Luke Cage with the uh, the afro, <laughs> the tiara, the uh-huh. and the uh, yellow shirt? Yep. You actually get to see that at one point. And they make it, <laughs> and they make it make sense in the story. Like, how can you make that outfit make sense? But they made it make sense for one episode. <laughs> it was great. Uh, and now, I'm, now I gotta, I'm really looking forward to the Defenders. To see them all now, I got to tell you, with Jessica Jones, I think that they set a new standard. I because prior to that, everybody was like, Loki, Loki, Loki. But the truth is, Tennant blew that out of the water. Like, he was scary good. He was. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And But but to me, too, the, the, the villains in Luke Cage were, like, real-world scary. Right. Now, with that being yeah, said, do you think that they regret getting rid of Cottonmouth? Because uh, he went on to win an Oscar. Watch, they didn't watch it yet. Why did you do that? <laughs> oh, okay. we've, we've talked about it on the show like 17 times already. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Um, I, I don't think they would regret it because his whole storyline and the whole way it ended – made so much sense and added so much to the series. Um, you know, that, that was a turning point in the show to me, the way he ended up. Yeah, no, totally. And it brought the next bad guy into right. kind of his own. Right, like who really is the villain? Right. Now, I, I got to say, as much as I like Luke Cage, and I lo- I know it's controversial, and some people didn't like it, but uh, I kind of loved Iron Fist. Like, it oh, was... I did too. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know why everybody had a problem, or so many people had a problem with it. That's another one. I, I flew through it, 
but and I flew through Daredevil. Jessica Jones, I actually had trouble with. I, I just didn't get into it as much as first, but um, I I kind of flew through Iron Fist. I enjoyed it, but Luke Cage is the one to me that it was just like it, there were so many seventy. Yeah, so much humor in action. I just I, I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And now we have a couple more coming next season. Not, you know, we have Black Lightning on CW, but then on Freeform you have Cloak and Dagger. You have The Runaways coming on Hulu, and uh, right. the, the Defenders. There's, there's Gifted on Fox. It's going to be an X Men series. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Pretty nuts, man. It's a great time it, to it be really a fan. Is. It really is. Cool. Well, uh, let me let me ask you this, uh, Batman. Out of uh, the Philadelphia area, who uh, who? I'll let you pick three. Who were your three favorite cosplayers? Oh, wow! That that that's unfair. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna make people mad at me now. Yeah, I can't wait to read um, the comments tomorrow. I know, right? Wow, that is so unfair. Okay. Let's see. How can I do this? (laughs) I, well, I, I, there's no doubt about it to me. My number one favorite is Lady J cosplay. She is one person, no matter where I see her, when I see her, what she's doing, whatever the conditions, she always, always, always has a smile on her face and takes time with everybody and is just so outgoing and nice no matter what's going on with her. Um, I'll tell you what. She is one person that no matter who I've talked to, they praise her, and she is. She's an amazing person. Right, right. So she's number one. Um, you're killing me, Bay. You're really good <laughs> for this. Uh, okay. So, well, you you mentioned Echo and. Echo, even though she was my opponent or one of my opponents in the cosplay presidential race, um, she she nails she she's she just nails it. You know, like you said, you, you can't think of anybody else as She Hulk once you see her. Right. And uh, again, she's the same way. She is so nice to talk to, and so friendly, and you know does things for anybody. She, she's just a really genuinely nice person. Um, Amazing talent, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, she, all her other cosplays are great, too. Um, you know, she, she does several... Oh, she did She did a female version of Blue Devil. Did you ever see that one? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's, it's, it's just great. Um so there's another one. Now, mm, in the Philadelphia area, 
in the Philadelphia area. Oh, you're you're killing me. Um, hmm. I'll I'll let you expand. You you can expand the area if you want. Well, that that, that makes it worse. That I can make it worse. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Okay, so stay Um, stay back to uh, Gotham City here. All right. Well, all right. Let's let's restrict the Gotham. Thank you. Okay. Oh, it still makes it bad. Um, well, oh, boy, right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with someone who's actually not in the area anymore, but uh, she was basically my main Robin, apotheosized cosplay. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She was. Yeah, she does a, a Damian Wayne version. Of, of Robin and you know she actually um, at the time lived in what Delaware Maryland I forget um, I think Delaware but came down to Ontario Street for the last uh, Batman day right and was there, was there all day did a lot of uh, great pictures and um, and now moved to Florida oh wow but, uh, yeah yeah so like her and I, I, that's another one that I've met. Uh, wow, it's been uh, probably over close to two years now through different cons. You know, would would see her at different cons, and we'd always get pictures together, and um, just you know, it was the perfect Damian Wayne uh, Robin. But that's awesome. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many others too. It's like everybody that I meet and, you know, end up, you you, you know, you see the same people at different events over and over again, different, um, you know, different conventions. You you see the same people and, you know, like Mike McManus, I see him around a lot and he's just, he's another one. He's he's a, he's a nut. He's just, he cracks you up every time. He's fun. Um, Scott, Scott Matthew, who he's married with cosplay, is his uh, Facebook, and he does he does Batman. He also does a, a great Mister Miracle, and we have been known to share some bat whiskey together at conventions from time to time. Because he uh, has awesome. a bat flask, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, everybody from Haiku made yeah, they're great. Captain Kyle, and uh, it's just, it goes on and on and on, and, you know, my other competition in the cosplay presidential uh, race, Aaron, um, I'm trying to think of what his cosplay, you know, Iron Man, you remember him? Okay, okay. Yeah, he was at, yeah, he was at the Marvel vs. DC day, too, he's another one, he actually, and actually, Iron Man made my batarangs, I will admit it here. Aaron actually made those flip out batarangs that I carry on my utility belt. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um yeah, but honestly I, I I'm trying to think of uh a, honestly it's it's hard to think of anybody I've met that cosplays that I, you know, don't like. They're they're 
everybody just goes out there, has fun, and, you know, shows their fandom. You know, they, they love yeah. the character. They love, you know, talking to people, taking pictures with kids, taking pictures with other people. It's just, it's it's fun. And, you know, as long as people are having fun and, you know, not putting others down, that's that's great. Yeah, I, I mean, from what I see, the the community of cosplayers here in the Philadelphia area, I mean, it's, it's a really good bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, I really haven't had a bad experience. I've actually, I mean, I have seen some things online that people post and certain comments that, yeah, there's a lot of, it seems to me there's more drama online than when you're face-to-face. Yeah. Well, I'd rather have it that way than face-to-face. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, honestly, I, I, to me, if if you have a problem, say it to my face. Don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't go for all the, this one said this, this one said that on online. Just, you know, if you have a problem with me, say it to me. I remember he is Batman. I am Batman. <laughs> I, I am vengeance. I am night. I am Batman. Where can everybody find you, Batman? This way everybody can uh, check you out, like you, love you, follow you. Well, as you know, Dark Knight of PA Cosplay on Facebook. Uh, actually, in my Instagram, I have to check that because I think it's just Dark Knight Cosplay because somebody else actually had the other one, but let me check. <laughs> really? Uh, How dare they? Really? Yeah, I, I was surprised. Well, actually, on Facebook, it is, it's it's Dark Knight of PA Cosplay, but it's actually Facebook.com backslash Dark Knight Cosplay. On Instagram, it's uh, Dark Knight of PA. So, Dark Knight Cosplay, Dark Knight of PA. And, very, very cool. Uh, actually, just keep watching. The best place to find me and see what I'm doing seems to be just uh, keep track of Ontario Street Comics. It's, Will you be at a... Some kind of uh, pirate tracer on me or something. <laughs> he has the bat signals. Yeah. Will you be uh, appearing at uh, Wonder Woman Day? Uh... That actually, I I don't think so. That's like I said. That's my that's my birthday weekend. So I'm I may be out of the limelight for the weekend. Um, nice. I may be, you know, hiding in the back cave or doing something metropolis away from here. There you go. Absolutely. Hey, you got to enjoy yourself too, Batman. Yeah. Every now and then. Every now and then. Well, you know what? This has been awesome. I want to thank you for uh, for calling in and being a guest and all the uh, superhero and comic book talk and Batman talk and cosplay talk. And uh, thank you for being uh, our featured cosplayer of the first issue. Hey, thank you. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you asking me to be on here. And I'm sure Absolutely. I will see you around at Ontario Street, Definitely. at conventions, all over the place. 
Absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks again, man. And, uh, yeah, we'll be talking soon. Can't wait to see you again. All right. Batman Take signing care. out. Right. <laughs> see you. Uh, see you. He's awesome. He's so wow, awesome. That's cool. I'm telling you, dude, like, especially when he has that one costume on it that's like 60, 70 pounds, it's like, wow. Like, that dude is Batman, and he's got the huge freaking cape. It's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. And you know, what, you know what got me? Was he had a very Batman-esque voice without trying to be too Christian Bale or, uh, you know, that, that, you know what I mean? He had right. kind of a Kevin... Uh, Kevin Conroy voice Batman animated series uh, which was which he you know, said was his favorite uh, he, he felt he he does the, the best voice of Batman yeah absolutely I believe that as well wow yeah it's cool. that was a, that was cool huh sure oh definitely Nice. I, I figured I'd put him on the spot and let him throw out some names, and then we'd have to. I'd have some uh, names to go on for uh, the next uh, featured cosplayer <laughs> for the next issue. <laughs> now, now you have to pick him the old-fashioned way. Which I, no, I, I, I definitely I have a nomination for you. I'll tell you in private, but I, yeah, I definitely have one for you. Now it's got to be Philadelphia area one. I, I think uh, it's it's if it's not Philadelphia area, it's very close. I'll, I'll hit you up in the messenger. Okay. But you, and you know what's crazy? Air. It was just announced uh, last night, uh, appearing at Wizard World, Ivy Doom Kitty. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Mm. Nail um, he was not allowed at Wizard World because uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I I totally uh I t- totally agree with him. Totally agree with him. You talking to well, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your choice? Yeah, there's a couple there where he recreates um covers that that are just they blew me away. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Cool. All right, well, let's uh, – yeah, I should get, uh, get hold of – what's her name, too? She, uh, Echo will be at uh, – she will be Wonder Woman at Wonder Woman Day at Ontario Street next Saturday. Oh, nice. June 3rd. Yeah, so I should uh, – I'll reach out to her and maybe get her on for next week just to promote that. So, all right, well, I'm going to wrap up quick because uh, I think it will be answer. Bad. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's like three three and a half hours now. So on that note, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Bill Bowers. Thanks to Batman. Thanks to Nick. Thanks to Janetti. And uh, let me go because I got to go flush. See ya. <laughs>